0: Warning, this podcast contains scenes of explicit nonsense and lore.
1: Previously on the Resident Evil Podcast.
2: Have you got your pre-order in, Nick, for the uh, Gaiden vinyl? <laughs>
1: <laughs> my favourite cast member is the graffiti, though.
3: You haven't even seen it. Got my flags ready to go. boo, <laughs> <laughs>
4: Jay Whisker.
3: reference to HCF and you're just like, whoa, holy crap, I haven't seen that in years. Why did you decide to put that back in there?
2: This conversation literally hurts me.
5: To quickly answer your question, Rob, bring Wesker back, that's enough for me to tell Camcom to shove it up their arse.
2: And I'm there as well.
6: welcome to episode 66 of the resident evil podcast where our bodyguards also happen to sport very dashing orange and blue head visors and here's hoping 2021 is a bit better than the year just passed i'm nick better known as neptune making the meg look like a pussycat let's see who's joining us today riddle me this who comes back after a break and systematically annihilates everyone in the quiz it's the batman Hello. You're laughing, but this is the ultimate life form we know. It stars Tyrant.
2: Hello. He
6: has recently been restored by Peter Jackson and optimized with 4K with a stunning HDR picture. Oh, no, wait, no, that's something else.
3: It's Rombie. Oh, I was going to say, I'm looking better than ever. He
6: may have a sweet home, but we know he prefers his residence to be evil. It's George Trevor.
1: Hi, so pleased to be here to talk about Resident Evil 4.
6: And when things get too tough, he likes to get out his slippers and send his Patrick into action. It's Mr. Spencer. Hello everyone, delighted to be here. Coming up on today's podcast, we'll be having an extended look at Resident Evil Village Showcase, bolts and all, and we then tread tentatively back towards Resident Evil 4, a game that is both equally beloved and criticised within the community. This is a retrospective review and analysis of this classic entry into the series. And of course, we'll be ending up with another edition of Neptune's Biohazard Quiz. So let's start with the news... This week we're going to start with the site news, so firstly we'd like to thank our new patrons, Snurferus, Jank Media and Death the Pursuer, a huge thank you for contributing and uh, assisting with us on our Patreon. If anyone's interested they can check out our Patreon page, a link is on our website, so thank you you three for joining us. First bit of very quick news, we're going to zip through this, we've had the super special Christmas release of Batman's audio remake drama, Uh, you can find this on an all good podcast apps, but this has been something that John, you've been working on and um, it's gone down really well in the community it was a lovely community project, we brought so many people together, but I just wanted, if you wanted to have a quick explanation for anyone who hasn't listened to it and why they should.
5: Well it was just a very quick showcase on the new lore that Remake 2 and 3 introduced, I wanted to do something that showed what the remakes brought to the Resident Evil universe as opposed to relying just on the original games, and obviously it was something I wanted to get the community involved in and lots of people volunteered, so I just want to say thank you very much once again for getting involved it wouldn't have been possible without you and I'm so pleased with how it's been received that we'll maybe look to do a similar one sometime this year maybe looking at the mansion incident and hopefully get everyone involved again so thanks very much
6: Fantastic it is a really good uh, listen and if you've ever wondered whether the remake lore is up to scratch then I would strongly suggest having a listen to that (laughs) final bit of site news very quickly Uh, if you want to have a go at building my lego advent calendar then i've put together all those features into one uh, pdf which is available on our website so if you want to have a go download that now gaming news so here we go here we go what's happened in the world of resident evil recently oh it's been very quiet no it hasn't no it hasn't we've had a huge huge resident evil
7: blowout hey now think positively all right we talked about this
0: i know we hardly talk about anything else
8: Can someone please tell me what the hell is going on here?
3: No. The place is full of nothing but blood and death.
9: fuck are you? Let's see what you're really made of. Ethan Winters.
6: So uh, last week Capcom did a huge Sony State of Play-esque Resident Evil showcase which brought us up-to-date images and trailers for Resident Evil Village as well as also teasing a few new projects. So we thought we'd have a bit of a sub-discussion to talk all about Village and uh, try and garner some some theories as well. So let's start with Village. We had a brand new Village trailer both in the form of a new story-led trailer and a gameplay trailer. Let's start with the gameplay gameplay because I think that's probably the easiest thing we can talk about and specifically they also released a demo called Maiden which is available for PlayStation 5 users only. Stars Tyrant I know you've played Maiden, how did the gameplay compare to uh, Resident Evil 7 and what was your overall impression of how it felt on the dual Sense?
2: Well it's worth saying that it's very much akin to beginning hour. For Resident Evil 7 if anyone's played that they'll know it's effectively no combat there's no real controls, all you can do is pick up items and use them in the sort of selected areas I mean it has a beginning and an end which I suppose beginning hour didn't really um, until they patched it in the later updates I don't know whether the Maiden trailer is going to get any sort of updates to it there's a necklace that uh, people haven't figured out how to use but just to to talk about like the aesthetics and everything like that it looks wonderful the atmosphere is exquisite it's a really intriguing setting there's some beautiful throwbacks to the sort of Spencer mansion and that's probably the biggest compliment I can give it is like the moments when you're walking you know down the lavish corridors in very very atmospheric light for the first time ever, more so than anything in Resident Evil 7, I had feelings that evoked the sort of first times in the Spencer Mansion to walk around like a, you know, a main hall and not know where each door leads to. Whereas obviously the beginning hour setting in the Baker's plantation is very run down. This was, this was like, you know, it's like a palace and um, it's really exceptional, really intriguing where, you know, really intriguing sort of setting, really looking forward to uh, playing some more. You finish it in about five minutes if you know what to do, but it leaves a very, very good first impression uh, with regard to the dual sense, however there is no implementation of it in the demo unfortunately
6: that's unfortunate but perhaps expected at this stage perhaps they're saving that reveal for a bit later
2: like I say there's very little you can do but there's enough for a little complete experience I guess and uh, it ends on a quite awesome final stinger with the the lady
1: I have to say that stream that you did Stars was fantastic I was watching that and yeah what you were saying going back to this kind of Spencer Mansion-esque aesthetic that we had and then just all the, the horror but just such a beautiful color palette i went straight away online to see (laughs) the prices of ps5s and yeah at least said about that the better but that was a fantastic stream and as someone who came to this series very much with remake and that you know really piqued my interest this game i just cannot wait to get around that castle did you get the impression that there was going to be a lot more kind of a survival horror type gameplay in the castle whereas perhaps a more action orientated gameplay you know outside in the village
2: it's funny because the impression i've got from it uh, we're going to obviously go into resident evil 4 very shortly and one of the things and i've said this to you guys on the discords and things like that the village section in resident evil 4 felt like you know in many ways the showcase for that title you almost feel sad to be leaving the village and going into the castle and obviously in a retrospect sort of way knowing what we know of resident evil 4 the castle is actually one of the more sort of laborious sections of the game to get through i don't think there's many people who would say they prefer the castle to the village in resident evil 4 but what i can say about the brief little snippets i've played in in maiden and what we've seen in the trailers it's going to be the opposite i'm, I'm actually not going to wait to get out of the village this time and get to the castle as quick as we can because it looks like the <laughs> castle this time around is certainly going to harbour more of a classic experience and I wouldn't be surprised if the village section from what we're basing on trailers and what we know is going to evoke more of the RE4 stuff so they might get, a, yeah. they might strike a much better balance than they did in the game we're going to be discussing very shortly.
6: What about in terms of the feel of it because it looked like it was very much in the Resident Evil 7 mould?
2: If you've played Resident Evil 7 you'll know what to expect even though it obviously has a different setting with a much more lavish sort Sort of environments the photogrammetry has got a look to it that carries over certainly in in village so even though the setting's very different, it retains that kind of photo reel, but if you go too close to certain surfaces, the textures don't quite hold up as well as they could do. And it's that overall package is a wonderful-looking game, but it, it has a look to it, which I think is, has been the same across all the RE Engine games, bar probably Devil May Cry 5.
6: I was just going to say, one of the key points is that PlayStation 4 has been announced. Yay! And uh, I did a slight reaction video to that on our YouTube page, which you might want to check out, but that would be interesting to see specifically when the PlayStation 4 version comes out alongside the PlayStation 5 version with just going what you're saying there, Sean. Is this going to be one of the areas where there's going to be that substantial difference in terms of the close-ups or is it going to be more a frame rate issue or perhaps, you know, details that in the far distance whether there's going to be the big issue. But we'll we'll wait and see on that. But I think most of us are quite pleased we're getting a this-gen release.
2: So if anyone's seen the Digital Foundry write-up that CVX Freak, Alex, was actually on, Maiden Demo doesn't even hold the full locked 60 frames a second at times which is uh, it's not a deal breaker and it is worth saying it's probably based on a much earlier code of the game but if the PS5 is already struggling with a a non-combat demo I think the thing that needs to be said and I said this on stream is that to avoid a cyberpunk debacle Capcom need to be upfront and honest and show this footage of you know the last gen versions they can't let it just come out and it be a mess like what CD Projekt Red have just experienced uh, because the the is will tear them apart for it
10: they couldn't have like peter fabiado just come on out and just say they didn't run surprisingly well on ps4 it's quite
1: interesting that we haven't really focused mainly on the fact that this is another first person and i just think it's fantastic that in terms of the survival and how this series has survived you know on a day when we find out via konami news that you know silent hill it's prolonged death is even more prolonged yet resident evil survives and you know we've got the over the shoulder style that we've had with the you know the remakes of the originals and i just think it's fascinating that we're chatting about this and it's You know, more so than others, some people on this team will have hang-ups about whether they can play first person or third person games. And it just seamlessly we're discussing this without any kind of hang-ups on the perspective. I think that's brilliant, you know, that the series has progressed at that point.
2: The only criticism I have, GT, with regards to the first person perspective is that there's clear no drive towards VR this time. They've not talked about it now. I imagine it'll be something that'll come after release now, if at all. But the fact that you know they're just sort of quietly not mentioning it is a worry given how much that drove most of the excellence with seven. You know, anyone who's played the VR mode on seven will tell you that if they can stomach it they um, would never go back to the 2D presentation. I it's saw your
1: stream just, of the remarkable. VR seven. It looked incredible. Yeah. It
2: really is. It's one of those sort of turning points. You know, and I was a big naysayer to VR before seven, and I'm just mourning the fact that at the moment Village looks like it's not going to support it.
3: Rob, did you have any thoughts on the kind of gameplay elements of Village? I haven't got a PS5, but I've seen enough of it online and, and also obviously the reveal stuff. I, I mean I'm interested to see more of the gameplay for the combat scenario because there's obviously this idea of locking and shooting so they've definitely thought about the fact that obviously there's a defensive mechanism that needs to be added in compared to 7 yep. just to see how that kind of plays out you've got this Resident Evil 4 inventory system and the crafting thing and there's a combination of like buying and selling material from the merchant in the new game so it's a lot of the old systems being reinvented for a new one I'm going to be very interested to see how this all works but it also obviously does push towards that more action concept I mean if we're doing a system that builds itself around modifications crafting and inventory organizations organization with multiple weapons then obviously there's a certain level of action orientedness like 4.
2: You could literally hear Nick crying out when he found out that the block button had been brought over from Resident Evil 7. <laughs> I thought given it was a new given feature. How he, <laughs> given, how he, given how he refused <laughs> to he, use it um, in 7 throughout yeah. most of the stream.
1: How do you guys feel though about buying your weapons now that we know there's going to be another merchant mechanic as opposed to find, I mean it's a challenge to earn the dosh to buy them but rather than finding them through challenges I'm not keen on that.
2: During the gameplay trailer that we'll talk about in a moment but one of the enemies does look like it drops items which
10: makes sense i think they should do like some kind of upgrade system where you can level up your character and the skill trees and stuff like that
3: yeah i totally fresh an original direction that no other game has ever done (laughs) yeah
10: resident evil's never done it you've not seen it resident evil
3: (laughs) yeah i don't want to see it resident Evil. i
10: love rpg elements in my
1: resident no i don't i kind of love rpgs i'm obsessed with skyrim but just for no, i want you know the divisions to be clear I'm, I want a survival horror experience and I don't want that in there, no.
3: I'm a GT on this, like, it's fine to have skill trees in games I have no problems about. We don't need to changing up our character thing, unless it's a multiplayer mode or something where you've got different loadouts and abilities.
6: Batman, do you have any comments on the gameplay? Have you liked what you've seen so far?
5: Yeah, um, I thought the game looked great. I mean, it's you know, it comes across really naturally as a, a proper successor to Resident Evil 7. I was really impressed with all the environments and the, the lighting and things like that, but obviously, as you probably expected me. It was more the story hints we got in the demo that I was interested in and the possibility that this was taking place in the late
6: 1950s. That's a silky smooth segue into the next aspect I did want to talk about, which of course is the story and the law consequences. I touch upon this in my video actually. I am in so two minds about all this. I-, I love Resident Evil 7. I think it's great. But I hear what people say when they felt it was a bit disjointed and I've kind of said as long as Village follows up on what's going on in 7, then I I think that criticism completely evaporates. And then they announced Village, and we've got Ethan back, we've got Mia back. I was like, yeah, this is a home run. I am still a bit concerned that we are not getting a direct storyline sequel to perhaps Resident Evil 7, and by that I mean a follow-up of the Blue Umbrella narrative that kind of started off in a bit with 7 and Umbrella Corps, and trying to work out exactly where it's going. I've theorised that perhaps we're going to get an origin story of HCF, uh, or the rival company, because this is so old, as John just said, and possibly because this demo actually takes place in the 50s, which is pre-Umbrella I'm of the opinion that perhaps we're not going to get the Blue Umbrella storyline until do, Re- Resident Evil 9
1: do you not think though that that narrative is going to be brought through with the Mia and Ethan story and well particularly with the entrance of Chris Redfield I, I think it's going to lead
6: into whatever they want with the baby Rosemary that they'll get it by the end baby will be saved like
10: I think that. Nick is right I don't think they're going to pursue Blue Umbrella at least only at the core of it I think it's going to be about the origin of the mould yes. where the mould it came from and that The Connection sent HCF agents out there to recover the mold and the sunglasses guys like The Insider contact that got them a sample, and the focus is on the mold. I think they may touch upon Blue Umbrella, but it will not be the core of the game's narrative.
6: I think that could be the twist at the end, because the baddies are going to be whoever, and perhaps it is HCF, because again, that will link nicely in with 7, wouldn't it? Go in, you know, And they are marketing this as like, want to play Village? Make sure you've played 7 before. So again, I'm really hopeful.
3: To me, this would all be great, except for the fact there's actually a large amount of Umbrella-based logos that match the Blue Umbrella-based I- logo. That's the only thing that tells me otherwise, I, like otherwise I would 100 percent agree with you. Nick. This is the thing that's throwing me off.
6: But it could be that this is what I'm saying. Whether this rival company, because we don't know anything about them really, other than they've got HCF, perhaps they were almost like the original umbrella, and then Spencer, who may be mentioned in this, and was not worthy of the moulds powered, and then found Progenity. He then found the company based on his anger towards this company, and then used basically the same logo that he had I think seen. You're right. These are European.
10: Aristocrats, dynasties, spencer his family's pretty old as well so i suspect that there's a lot of like you know aristocratic families will interact and talk with each other so they probably knew of each other these families and houses and what have you and that spencer wanted that power that ancient power of this original natural mold and for whatever reason he was ostracized or his family was ostracized from this enclave if you will this coven mm. And as a result, he was like, "Fuck you! I'm going to go and make my own uh, secret to immortality with blackjack and hookers." And that's what he did. He went off and found progenitor. And, you know, that was his whole like his own solution to. He's it. It like, "Right, I'm going to find my own way, my own ticket."
5: I think this game will explore the origins of the mold, and I think it's here in Romania. I think it's it's something that's underneath the village. I think it's obviously been there for a long time, and I think they are going to sort of do a parallel storyline with what they did in Resident Evil Five with the progenitor. Virus and the Endopia tribe because they used the virus for thousands of years when they ran their kingdom underground, and I think a similar thing is happening here. The key difference is I think the people living in the village over centuries have become exposed to the mould or whatever it is that's growing beneath them, and that is what's tainting their blood. And I think that leads into this uh, production of this special wine that the Dumitrescu's are producing. And whatever it does, it obviously has life-enhancing properties because Alcina. Dumatrescu and her three daughters clearly haven't aged from the 1950s up until 2020 when we think this game is set has some sort of life enhancing quality this game is obviously pushing women as being superior to men all the vampires seem to be women I'm pretty sure the candidates list the ones who adapt become the sort of the vampire type women who can change into insects and the ones who don't adapt I think are the the, sort of scraggy looking zombie females we've seen a glimpse of in the gameplay trailer in the dungeon. Yeah, and likewise I'm pretty sure the lichen buddies will turn out to be the male inhabitants of the village and I, I'm guessing the big werewolf guy with the axe is the sunglasses guy we see at the end of the trailer because they're wearing practically the same clothes he's carrying a pretty similar axe as well
10: so he's kind of got this like Father Gascoigne from Bloodborne kind of thing going on like a normal <laughs> human and then he changes into like a big monster
5: but the key thing it's definitely femininity and uh, or oh, sorry women I should say because obviously that the baby is a key plot point and she's a female. Obviously, all the D series and E series
6: bioweapons were all female. It's not the first time they've done all this. Have they? If you look deep in the seven files, it's, it's largely feminine based. And as well, even with things like T Abyss, isn't it? All the, if you're, I think, male and you're infected with T Abyss, you become ooze. Whereas the females yeah. tend to become, oh, what are they called, John? Creepers. Sea creepers. Sea creepers, yes. And far more effective so, as a
3: so, BOW. Everyone would say the same thing, too, with uh, Code Veronica. And Alexi
5: absolutely yeah. yeah I think the umbrella logo I think obviously this predates Umbrella. I think you could be right, Nick, in the fact that I don't think this has anything to do with the original Umbrella, because like Rob said, the colours are inverted. I'm wondering if the Umbrella symbol itself has potentially been around for thousands of years or hundreds of years, and that's where Spencer's got it from. Or, you know, the four houses that I mentioned on the pre-order map. I'm wondering if there may be investors in blue Umbrella, perhaps.
3: For origin families. I think it's interesting, because it's this idea of Capcom being able to create this full circle of potentially this rival company being umbrella all along, but a different type of umbrella you know in existence.
2: So you've got Dimitriscous, Moros, Heisenbergs and Beneventos.
3: Yeah. there's all four different European families don't they John basically yeah. you've got a r- local Romanian group and then you've got German uh, Italian and French yeah
5: and French and, So, and yeah if you look at the pre-order map they've all got bases in this village you know there's Heisenberg's factory there's Moreau's reservoir Benny Vicio mentioned as well so all four of these houses have got some sort of base in this village which obviously means this village is an, an important location for something and I'm speculating that this is where the mole's origins do lie.
3: Just on an aside on that map, did you notice that that reservoir lake Thing has something in it on that Don't map lo- there's like Don't a giant design yeah. of a yeah-esque yeah. and I'm thinking oh no not again it's yeah. like a hindcliff yeah. <laughs> almost isn't it yeah
6: interesting I, final point I wanted to make is there any chance that the family are going to be mentioned because they're again an ancient kind of or- not ancient organisation but you know these kind of shady behind the scenes patriot-esque organisation I just wonder if there is an opportunity here to try and bring them into the equation a bit more or am I really hoping for, for a story resolution that's not going to happen. Sorry. I've
2: always got the feeling that um, Capcom are trying to sweep most of Resident Evil 6 under the rug. Oh, <laughs> really?
3: Oh, no. Yeah. So the only reason they would have to bring that back is if they want to resolve more of an Ada to 1 story, it'll have to tie back into that somehow, obviously. So I would say maybe not sweep it under the rug, but keep it as minimal as possible from what I'm feeling right now. But you never know. could be talking five years away, and all of a sudden it's just like they've actually decided to latch that story into an actual resolve because one of the writers thinks they've got a good hook. It,
2: and- it could be Resident Evil 5 levels of bringing all the games together. Who knows?
5: I just think it'll lean heavily on Seven. I mean, this is the first proper direct sequel we've had for as long as I can remember, really. I think we will get references to the connections and Blue Umbrella, whether it'll just be in background files or not, I don't know. I'm sure the connections will possibly have some sort of link to the village if this is where the original mould did come from. I
10: think the best way to look at it is to look at each sort of era as like a planned trilogy, right? So you got Ori 1, Ori 2, Ori 3, that's the trilogy. 4, 5 and 6, that's the action trilogy trilogy now we're in the seven eight nine first person horror kind of trilogy I yeah think.
5: and if this isn't the origin of the mold one thing i noticed in the trailer is in the castle there's like a coffin a casket that ethan's walking towards so there could be some sort of ancient body in there similar to maybe uh, the likes of veronica mm-hmm. and she might have something to do with the mold
2: The storyline to the stage was that as well don't they find a
11: virus in the yeah, Irish the giant? irish
5: giant yeah yeah and as for Blue Umbrella, we still don't know who Chris is working with. It says on their website that he's a BSAA agent. His squad that he seems to be with when he kidnaps the baby, they're all wearing unlabeled uniforms. So, Well, they'll be dead.
3: Well, Yeah. <laughs> (laughs) and it's worth noting the statue pre-order has a logo under his feet which we don't recognise oh yes
6: it does isn't it yeah
3: the other statues they've released in these collector's editions for 2 and 3 max had respectively logos for the RPD and for the stars interesting decision to show that but that's the other part of it I don't quite get what the end game of Chris's involvement here is is it to draw these families out why shoot me is that real theory that maybe that's a uh, hallucination. Very interesting, but
7: lots I'm of worried caution. that
3: Capcom will just end up revealing it before the game comes out.
6: Oh, that's almost a given. Um, we'll, we'll all celebrate accordingly when they do, but I wonder how much input we put into the general artwork of Chris, because he's he's got that kind of half-and-half half look, isn't he, with half face then half a wolf. Is that just for marketing, PR? Are we actually going to see Chris, not mutate, but perhaps, you know, turn at any point, or is that just to get the old juices flowing with speculation.
1: Just a bit more symbolic in terms of whether you know which side he's batting for, because weren't early suggestions whether he may have gone rogue?
6: Oh, said yeah, it's good.
5: Yeah, yeah, I see that. I completely agree with you. I think it's more symbolic in mean, that Chris's sort of role so far is completely ambiguous. That, and I think it just ties in with the sort of mythology and folklore themes of the game, with you know the lichens and lycanthropy and turning into a monster. I don't think he's literally going to be infected and turned into a werewolf during the game.
10: It's a metaphor.
5: Yeah, pretty
6: I, much. I'm, I'm, I'm all for metaphors.
10: I feel like this little covenantist group are worshipping, because you saw that imagery of the fetus, right? The icon of, like, the fetus. And I suspect that the reason they took Ethan's daughter is because they believe that she's, like, you know, the one that was promised, basically. The god that they're bringing into the world, the being that they worship, this true human molded or something like that. And I think they much the same way that when Ori 7 was being developed, they looked at P.T. and were like, man, we could kind of do something like that. And then when it came to develop this game, they thought, wait, what was pt based on oh silent hill let's go all in on that then let's do let's do silent hill so i think they kind of go for a a silent hill kind of approach i think that mother miranda is going to have some kind of like dahlia gillespie kind of vibe to her or something i think that's what they're going to go for
3: that's a great theory john except the only problem i can tell you is from the development notes they are actually planning seven before pt was released so they
10: saved
3: that No, <laughs> but the behind the scenes stuff they showed has dates and everything on it that they was part of the development field and it's just it's just a coincidence but i'm not saying that they didn't get influences once they saw the success of it clearly they knew that they were going down the right think, path and
10: probably I doubled right. Down. but i think once Oris Seven was a success they were like maybe there mm. is something here maybe we should push down this more sort of supernatural kind of elements and all that sort of stuff and i guarantee you, mother miranda she's going to be a dahlia gillespie it's going to happen
1: hmm. i wanted to make one last observation because you it's interesting. This was quite a contentious point. Whether fans of, of this series were comfortable with, you know, not necessarily supernatural elements, but just the, you know the whole vampiric, you know, style alone. You know, so far removed from underground laboratories and, and virology. But for me personally, I, I love it. And kind of there are throwbacks. We've seen them. There do seem to be almost throwbacks to that three point five. You know, Resident Evil three point five build. You know, yes, it's a Kamura did. I think people refer to it as Hookman or hallucination. Particularly with the movement. I, saw, I don't know if Sean, if I, saw, if you felt this with the like those kind of vampiric banshees. That stalk you in the maiden demo, that they seem to kind of, their movement, they would almost disappear and then materialize quite abruptly, you know, a few feet forward, you know, kind of appearing in that like mist way, the way that almost attacking you in the same way that the Hookman used to pursue Leon in a uh, Hookman gameplay.
2: Yeah, I mean, we haven't really gone into much detail with it, but from the trailers and whatnot I've seen, and indeed the little brief snippet you get of being chased by one of the, uh, the vampiric ladies in the demo, the game is adopting a rather worrying supernatural tone. There's going to get to a point where you can't. Can't just simply write all this off as hallucination. Yeah, they do look like they're flying. The little brief moment of the Van Helsing character, Heisenberg, clearly is like it looks like he's um, able to levitate objects and things during his what you assume to be boss fight. Yeah, I don't really have a, a sort of plausible explanation for that, George. Really, but yeah, I mean they do sort of almost teleport. They can go through doors without opening them.
5: I was enjoying this conversation until you reminded me of those floating objects. <laughs> <laughs>
3: is it a control thing that comes from the source of through taking this fused wine who knows it, it is kind of getting into that see, supernatural I'm, thing.
1: maybe I'm way off but I was hoping you see until Sean sort of mentioned that you know it's part of a boss battle when I saw that my initial reaction almost just thought of the shooting gallery bonus games you get is it with the merchant in RE4 and whether this was just kind of some sort of bonus thing to do with no. it
3: seems to be part of the game I mean that character seems yeah. to be part of the story so I think I'm going to mention as well everyone keeps thinking because of this whole vampiric angle with the blood that these daughters appear through bats, and even Nick unfortunately made this mistake in his um, showcase impressions thing that he did. Thanks the, Rob. the, the insects under the bus there. Nick. Yeah, thanks uh, for a, but thanks for reminding <laughs> So that's right. No, it's not just you. I've seen so many articles going, oh yes, and this they come flying in. Like, Those are not bats. It doesn't sound like bats. So I went and had a look, and I was like, oh yeah, no, it's definitely insects. Some sort of fly thing, but it's you're not a non But no, they're not moth. They're definitely not moth-like. They're more like flies and one of them buries itself I thought it was obvious because one of them buries itself through a bit of gameplay demo that we saw but uh Clearly not. It's but yeah, you can hear a swarm. It's almost like flies or bees, almost. It's very
10: interesting too. you mentioned, like, there being insects. It reminds me of Marguerite, because Marguerite, she had the mold mm. as well, and yeah. she was all about insects and stuff. Not necessarily flies, but insects, part of that family,
3: so. And that's why I bring this up, because I guess that's the only thing that's going to justify some of these things. I can't justify, obviously, floating in the air.
5: At least the internet has come to its senses, finally, because
6: I can't see anyone mentioning that whiskers behind all this. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. And Sorry. can I point out another bonus? Uh, what did you say the sunglasses' name was? Heisenberg. Not Daniel Fabron's. <laughs> no, no Daniel Fabron. Still so a, there
3: we go. There's still a French house in the uh, map. May I remind you? No. Oui, oui. <laughs> Look at Ori8,
10: how the women who are infected have these crazy, like, insect powers, can fly around, and all this cool stuff. The men are more strong and resilient and big hulking things, like the lichens. The same happened in Ori7, whereas Marguerite was all about the insects, and Jack, the man, was the big hulking lichen enemy type, right? So maybe the mould works differently depending on the gender. I think it's very interesting mm, comparison yeah. there.
6: Well, I think that probably wraps up our initial sub-discussion on Village, Obviously, we'll be keeping you up to date with all the latest news and uh, there'll be further discussions in podcasts as we go along. But of course, the showcase wasn't just about uh, RE Village. We also had uh, the announcement of Resident Evil Verse.
9: Or Reverse.
6: Reverse. (laughs) (laughs) Or Reverse. (laughs) Uh, Which looks very exciting, said no one. And. uh...
1: There's a serious point behind this, isn't there? This is how they chose to celebrate 25 years. It's extraordinary.
3: Well, I brought up the fact that last time we had a 20th anniversary celebration, we got Umbrella Corp. And then Nick <laughs> made the comment, Umbrella Corpse 2. And I was like yeah sure of course and then they renounce this and I'm like wow you thought he wasn't far (laughs) off thing is I want to point this out because I mentioned this to a couple of people even if you play this on PS5 or Xbox Series X or Series S you are playing a PS4 and Xbox One game because the game even when it ships with the main game in May it's a previous gen title which makes me wonder how long has this been in development for why is it a new game rather than an expansion of Resistance it's a very weird decision making Mm. and what's the focus of the game and considering the short time they've supported resistance are people going to care enough for 6 versus multiplayer
6: biggest question because let's be honest what's going to be the gap between remake 3 and village it's going to be less than 12 months and we're going to have two online multiplayer shoot 'em ups which for all intents purposes are very very similar as you said they could have easily just supported resistance opened it up a bit say you can do the 4v1 or you can do a 3v3 which I think this is what reverse is it does seem very peculiar
3: definitely. I don't understand it. I think it's a a very missed opportunity. I think the better option would have been, make this part of Resistance, allow people who have either Remake 3 or Village to still access the same servers, the same platform, and then after maybe four months, launch a standalone free version of it for everyone else who didn't buy one of those games at launch and play for free. And then they can make some money on some extra cosmetic microtransactions if people want to spend money on that. And I think it would have worked much better it would have established a stronger base I'm very confused by this decision making but obviously it doesn't matter because at the end of the day I've not seen pretty much a single person go oh wow that's exactly what I was anniversary I really want to run out and play that game (laughs) which is unfortunate because obviously I'm not the only one and have you also got access to the beta as well
7: it looks like everybody who
2: signed up did
3: yeah it's like they've opened up to like everyone I I guess we'll talk about it the next time we meet because we'll have played the beta and have some actual opinions about it
2: I don't want to waste any time talking about this really I think I think the feedback and the amount of dislikes the YouTube trailers getting, which is way ahead of the likes now, um, speaks for itself. But I will just say that a couple of years ago, we saw a Capcom that seemed to be more driven in sending out sort of surveys and getting a feel of what people wanted. Quite a few of those questions were like, you know, what sort of experiences would you like to see in the future and things like that? Now, I know lots and lots of people have been asking for like additional remakes and Outbreak revivals and whatnot. I can't imagine one person in the entire world would have written in that survey, I'd really love to play for the 25th anniversary, a collection of multiplayer scenarios where we play as the heroes killing each other. i can't see a single person in the world will have written i, I want a 3v3 I, I, chris jill versus chris and claire and they just I, run around the rpd shooting each other it I, just it's so tone deaf i just wonder who it's aimed i know someone must
10: have put that in i wanted that because i was in the survey so it works i think <laughs> <laughs> I here's the thing, right? People, I mean, Resistance Please. is definitely the more polished, more well-made of the two multiplayer. We're gonna compare them, but that gameplay style, the four v one, dead by daylight thing, never appealed to me. It was never my jam. I found it very boring and just meant by like Twitch streamers. Was never really my thing. But a PvP, just, it, I see Reverse is just some big dumb stupid little pvp thing where he just plays these characters and do stupid stuff and wrestling moves and suplexes it's just a bit crazy and stupid i've got tempered expectations i'll play it and have some fun with it that's all it's there
3: for. But that's the problem. There's no substance to it. The thing gets me frustrated with it is that Capcom has the potential for an instant slam dunk if all the hell they did was just remaster Outbreak, File 1, and File 2. They <laughs> well, like literally is make that work for modern platforms, provide voice chat, and make money. Do you think people play
10: Smash Brothers for the story?
3: That's what Reverse. No, that's what but I Smash. Hang on, wait, wait, wait. You're making a massive difference here. Smash Brothers <laughs> is good. That's the difference. <laughs> like, you're talking.
4: <laughs> you're, <laughs> good. On,
3: we've point. seen so many games of the type that we're talking about here that they are making, and it does not show anything unique or interesting. Doesn't or need to be. Just than- to be
2: fun. The very final thing I'm going to say about Reverse is the fact that as a shooter, it's not competent enough to go up against like the the things that other people are playing you know and quite a few of these things are free and whatnot And i know reverse is free with a game but you know you can play something like apex legends and that's mechanically a sound battle royale game reverse isn't going to play anywhere near to the kind of level that those kind of games are so it doesn't appeal to the shooter crowd and it's not what a resident evil experience that people want today either
12: as the
3: reaction to the trailers and stuff shows that's it like the resident evil fans don't want it and it's not going to appeal to people who play those sorts of games either. All oh, well and good, Mr. Spencer, that it's going to be, you know, fun on its own merits. I'm sure it will be, but the problem yeah. is, what's the point? It doesn't appeal to I'm its d- core cool market group, and it doesn't appeal to the groups of people who've already got better games to play.
10: I just had a very worst case scenario in my head. I know what's going to happen, don't you? May's going to come around, Ori Village is out, everyone's going to be playing Village, going through the story, playing whatever. Meanwhile, I'll sitting in a fucking lobby in Ori in Reverse. <laughs>
3: Waiting yeah, for people to say exactly that's it well, exactly and this is what happened with resistance yeah it's unfortunate I know it sounds like really horrible I would rather see a better experience for multiplayer and I, and I only bring up Outbreak because I know there's a core group out there if they wanted to remaster and put it out at least I know there's people out there who would do it but it still wouldn't be everyone's cup of tea there's definitely still people who go I'm not even an Outbreak fan and I'm saying this I just know that there's such a love for
1: it I agree yeah. with everything the Rombian stars have said and all, all the criticisms that I've seen go to that saying but are we not giving a slightly western orientation on this Your Operation Raccoon City was number one in Japan. These games do very, very well in Japan. I don't know. I think it was pointed out though to me it has been before that by far and away Capcom's you know biggest commercial drive it comes from you know Resident Evil's bigger in in, in the West because I actually asked the question why are there not so many Resident Evil Japanese websites out there and that point was made to me. But still, you know, you've got to think about where the game's coming from and who's, who's making it. And yeah, these these games do do very well, are very popular in
3: Japan. Yeah, but the thing about that is the same answer applies, which is that there's still probably bigger games in Japan. Making this is probably not going to the number of biohazard players in japan or i don't think that's the answer i could be wrong we're not we don't live in japan so who knows
6: we shall see well that does finish our news section all about village and showcase we will bring you more as it comes but on that note we'll now move on to our main discussion for this evening our retrospective review and look back at resident evil 4
13: Is there anyone who can forget the events of October 1st, 1998, six years before now? It was a day that changed everything. A day in which the portion of territory was lost, of a country that had led the world through its military and economic might since the end of the Cold War. It was a day on which anyone could see how the world's framework, something that should have been very strong, was starting to crumble. On that day, the small American Midwest city known as Raccoon City disappeared from the face of the earth, together with its 100,000 citizens. This unprecedented disaster was caused by the T-Virus, a biological weapon that turned people into cannibal-like monsters. Now facing a city where most of its citizens had become zombies, and fearing a further outbreak, the U.S. Congress decided on a sterilization operation using missiles. For the first time in history, weapons of mass destruction were used on United States territory, and the entire city was cleansed in pillars of fire and blasts of hot wind, like the town of Sodom that suffered the punishment and fury of God. Umbrella Corporation, the culprits, convicted by the hammer of an angry market. The sudden drop in share prices as a result of a global order to indefinitely suspend all business suffocated the giant corporation that had armed itself with massive capital. The company's routine illegal and inhumane activities were gradually exposed, and the organization known as Umbrella was forced to dismantle. The evil was destroyed, together with the horrible weapons, or so it seemed. However, those memories cannot be forgotten. There is no technology to go back in time and erase the events that happened in Raccoon City, or the fact that even the United States could be shaken to its core. Since then, terrorism became more common throughout the world. Even as it became stronger, pride and ideology came more into conflict with each other. Conflicts began to flare up everywhere, and people who had power and umbrella were secretly active behind the scenes. The world certainly did change that day, as did the destinies of those people who made it out of Raccoon City alive. Even though it is daytime, the thickening clouds paint the scenery with gloom. After turning off into the unpaved mountain road, a fog has begun to obscure the view. The road is heavily potholed, and the tired suspension of the outdated wagon is hardly able to absorb the shocks. Leon S. Kennedy is riding in the rear seat, looking at the seemingly endless, monochromatic view. As the wagon hits a bump in the road, his chin is knocked off his elbow, causing him to curse quietly. The police officer who is driving looks at him in the rearview mirror and smiles. Flamenco music has been playing loudly inside the vehicle for hours since they left the police station. To Leon, it all sounds the same. The singer sings along to the guitar chords and casts rhythm. The unshaven officer in the passenger seat sometimes loudly sings along, and sometimes is quiet. It is clear that neither of them is enthusiastic about this trip. They have been talked into going by their superior, forced into the role of playing guide for Leon. But even those who are the local police officers had never been to this place, and it is no wonder for their destination is a cold, remote village where one could not expect to find any enjoyment. With a sigh, Leon returns his gaze to the window. The fog was growing thicker, as if to symbolize the mission given to him. Several days had already passed since the kidnapping of Ashley Graham, the president's daughter. As a United States agent, Leon's task is to find and rescue this was a case that would normally be handled by a large-scale search team with specially trained personnel in hostage rescue, not an investigation handled by an agent working alone such as himself. However, it was clear that this kidnapping occurred based on some extremely classified inside information. In other words, there is a traitor at work here, someone with access to important data, and until this traitor could be identified, a larger rescue team would risk making the situation even worse. So, Leon was singled out. If she had not been kidnapped, he would have been assigned to her bodyguard detail. So his thinking, career history, and background had already been evaluated over a long period of time. From the government's perspective, he had completely proven himself as a reliable individual. His ability to carry out the mission was also backed up by his previous track record. He was the perfect man for the job, a survivor from hell. In his heart, Leon felt somewhat hesitant. He felt like he had experienced an entire lifetime's worth of emotions in that city where he had been newly assigned as a rookie police officer. That Leon, who survived a hell worse than any nightmare, and who at 21 years old was still in the sparkle of youth, had died. Since that day, there was a giant hole in the bottom of his heart, endlessly making a roaring and hollow sound. The wagon crosses a suspension bridge hung across a canyon, and finally stops. Just ahead is a shabby-looking house on the outskirts of the village that appears to be their destination. Leon is not confident about the validity of intelligence that a girl resembling Ashley was sighted in this European countryside. He would probably do nothing more than question a few locals. Kidnapping the president's daughter was effectively declaring war on the most powerful nation in the world. He felt such a crime would have nothing to do with this place, where nothing had changed for 200 years. But this was the entrance crossing the border into a territory ruled by inhuman things, a place where madness and fear spreads. From behind Leon, there is already a sign of something happening. Numerous things gather, all brought together by a murderous intent to eliminate foreign invaders who have crossed over into their lands. The survivors of Raccoon City are setting foot into a new realm of disaster. The curtain has already been raised on this new tragedy.
6: Resident Evil 4, my god, my god, what a controversial title if I've ever seen one. Uh, Long in the process, long in the making, Resident Evil 4 came to epitomise a defining chapter in the Biohazard franchise. And what better way today to look back on it, to establish, does it hold up today? What's its impact at the time? What's its legacy now? And with rumours circulating regarding a remake of the game, the question has inevitably arose, does it need a remake or is the old one still good enough considering it's been ported to how many consoles I don't know it's still effectively available on this generation of titles so it's one of those games that divides opinion is equally loved and sadly loathed by quite a few of the fan base not necessarily because it's a bad game far from it but because it's not necessarily a good Resident Evil game and that's something we touched upon in our original review which you can check out on our podcast channels but what we want to do today was to look back on everything and just to see has our opinion. changed Change. We've all had a bit of a playthrough again uh, on the many versions, and so we wanted to bring our thoughts together. So, a quick, kind of brief introduction from everyone about your experiences going back and how you feel the game is considered in the wider, both gaming and Resident Evil landscape. Sean, you've been doing a very public stream playing with the fan-made HD version. I say HD version, the HDDD version, because it's even better than the Capcom product. How have you found going back to it, especially? Especially in light of say remake 2 and 3 which arguably honed the over the shoulders controls better than any other game that came before
2: it. In brief uh, RE4 is a game I revisit sort of once every 3, 4, 5 years or so so it's never too far out of my memory and I'm very fortunate as I was explaining to GT the other day when he was asking me about how I was getting on with the controls that I play probably as many retro games as I do modern games throughout the year and whatnot. so I'm very fortunate that when I play a game like RE4 I can turn a little switch in my brain that puts me back into how I used to play it back in the day so the control issues and everything don't affect me and and as a result games don't necessarily feel dated to me so RE4 is always a relatively fun experience to go back to I'm pretty solid with the mechanics and whatnot and I've been doing it on professional mode this time which has been a struggle but we're getting there I haven't quite got it finished in preparation for tonight and my thoughts of the game really over the years haven't changed it is controversial for all the reasons that we'll discuss it's one of the most important yet much maligned games in the series for every sort of way it's important it takes a step back in the damage it did and with all that said and as I'll get into later I wouldn't have the series without it. For all of its controversy, all of what it did, all of the things it did right, it put Resident Evil back on the map, the the way it changed gaming by introducing the over-the-shoulder that made it, you know, commonplace for things like Gears of War to follow and all that, I still wouldn't have the series without it. It was a turning point for all the right and wrong reasons. It's going to be a fascinating
3: chat. Rumbie? similar to Sean really I mean obviously the development for it was so long coming to it and I just remember being so excited it was the first time I'd imported one of the games in quite a while because you could do the swap trick on the GameCube I got a, you know action replay ordered in as well so I could swap it out and I remember sitting down the first day being super excited and, and playing through it and being able to do that at the same time everyone else was when it was coming out in the US and I just remember really really enjoying that experience and I've never really disliked for every time I've gone back. There's definitely bits of it where I go, oh, not this section and not this thing. It's one of those games that's been very diversive in its history. At the time it was released, it was universally loved, it changed the franchise. Yeah, it's an important legacy game in the history of gaming. To me, it's lightning in a bottle. I don't think remaking it is going to improve it, but it will change fundamentally what that game is, and not for the right reasons. So yeah, it's an important title, and I think that can always have endless debate.
10: (laughs) Mr Spencer? I feel as though Ori Four is just one of those games that was the product of a Faustian deal that was made between Shinji Mikami and some greater power. You know, he was trying to try and revitalize the series after Kovonike was getting stale and it was like, Oh, you know, I'll give you this great game that will revolutionize the game industry and games to come afterwards, and it will cement your legacy as the creator of this defining moment in the industry. But the cost that you must pay is that you will obsess over it in the years to come and desperately try to to recreate that game and fail. And I think that's what's happened with Shinji. Even within either within two, you know, he's been trying to chase the white whale that is Ori 4. It really is, like Rumby said, lightning in a bottle. It's a once-in-a-lifetime, once in a generation kind of game that not only revolutionized the series, but revolutionized the entire games industry and how games, you know, all these big you know, gears of war that spawned after it were all because of Ori 4. It's definitely a very unique game, very important game. is it it amazing? game Eh, it's a good game but it's a very important game
5: batman yeah i would agree with pretty much all that it's a very decisive game but first and foremost despite what you may think about it and i know certain sections of resident evil community will always hate it the fact that we're sat here today you know looking forward to products like village and infinite darkness etc is thanks large in part to this game because the series, I would say, arguably, back in 2004, was starting to show the first signs of dying on its arse, really. Zero wasn't received as well as it should have been. The first Outbreak game tanked. You know, People were starting to complain about fixed camera angles, and Resident Evil 4 was such a refreshing change. I remember the media buzz at the time when the game was finally revealed. We weren't fighting zombies, it was something else. The perspective was obviously completely different, and it just revitalised Resident Evil as a brand. And you know, I will always be thankful for that because I think without this game, the series would have ended you know, seven, eight, nine years ago. I don't revisit it all that often. The playthrough I did this last week, the village siege is still as effective as ever. Then I found it a bit of a slog, but I did sort of fall into my stride and I ended up really enjoying it. And like Sean, I'm thankful it's part of the series. And you know, future games have made the story elements it introduced a lot more relevant now, so it sits quite nicely in the grand scheme of things. So, yeah, it's for me it's still a great Resident Evil game
6: George, your, your brief impressions? As much as
1: I want to sidetrack this podcast into a 3.5 discussion, I won't, but that's how I came to this game, you know, eagerly awaiting the screenshots that I seeing coming out that we are going to get that hallucination build. But I totally agree, we wouldn't be sat here now talking about this franchise if it wasn't for Resident Evil 4. I think it proves that, despite any of the lows that we might bring up, gameplay will always shine through. I'm extremely comfortable with tank controls. For me, it's the camera shooting back to the middle all the time, because that's what prevents me from getting into the game these days. But at the time, I have very very fond memories of playing many hours on on RE4 apart from the extremely dull colour palette you know browns and grays all at the beginning which I think the atmosphere of the game suffers from slightly from that I just loved it you know the siege in the cabin with Louis there's so many highlights of this game that I can recall and there are some you know the the huge running statues yeah there's some almost carry-on-esque elements to it that are ridiculous but overall (laughs) I have such a huge soft spot for RE4 I wish a remake was nothing more than an HD remaster with a fixed camera so it doesn't shoot back to the middle all the time and I think it would be perfection almost for me. I would put it really high up on my list of RE games.
6: I think that's a really important introduction from everyone, actually. We've all cited the importance of the game in the grand scheme of things, so I think it's a good opportunity to flesh out what Batman was saying about where the series was pre-Resident Evil 4 and why it's held in such esteem. So we're not necessarily talking about the game into whether you like it or not. It's more to do with why it changed and what the series was looking like. So this is very much the impact it had at the time. I distinctly remember... This kind of links back a bit, I suppose, to when the series moved over to GameCube. And there was very much a, a lamenting on the PlayStation magazines and the PlayStation world that the series kind of left. At that time, it was Survivor 2, and everyone thought that was a bit of a, a damp squid going, oh. What an awful way to end the series.
3: The thing about that, Nick, you've got to remember before that, you had magazine articles and interviews and discussions with people like Kaimaya who were like, oh, yes, yeah, so I'm making the sequel. It's going to come out to PlayStation 2. And the whole focus was going right back to, I think it's going back to early 99 when the announcements of the PS2 were coming out Capcom initially said we're focused on making Resident Evil sequels for that console. So it's not even the case of what came out. It was just the expectation that 4 was still being worked on and the expectation was it was going to come to that console. So once the announcement came, that titles were coming to GameCube, they were getting a remake of the original game, and 4 was going there too, everyone went, oh what? (laughs) Like, Mm. it was a disappointment that it went counter to what had already been announced.
6: It's a strange world, though, because for all intents and purposes, you know, 2002 Remake went down extremely well, very favourable reviews, and still considered today to be one of the greatest remakes there's ever been. But you're right. It didn't sell. That was, it what, didn't that se- was the issue. It, it didn't sell. And, and then Zero had that same issue in terms of not selling, but also it didn't set the world alight as perhaps Capcom would have liked.
3: Like, I know this is me detracting a little bit because I was doing all the web content now. Let's frame this a little bit differently.
6: Go
7: so
3: Zero's issue is it fundamentally came a design point that still existed three years prior to its release. It was a game that was designed in 1999 Technology obviously changed but the fundamentals of where it was set came much earlier like the idea that they started planning this game for the Nintendo 64 obviously had an impact on the final product so the game that while it came out in 2002 it was designed three years earlier the PlayStation struggled to get attraction and as John specifically pointed out like obviously it was getting long in the tooth for various reasons for the fixed camera angles the online game didn't exactly light the world on fire either but the other problem is and this is kind of an ongoing problem is that when a lot of the games especially on the PS2 became more spin-off titles Dead Aim, Outbreak uh, Survivor 2 but at the time it was mostly a negative because people who were used to those core cool games started going well I don't want to keep playing spin-offs when's the next mainline title and of course it never came or it took ages and it would get shown and then get delayed and this is regardless of what platform it was on so I think that's part of its legacy too why it was so successful aside from being such a departure people had been anticipating that damn came for six years at that point so it's just lucky it was good it was a breath of fresh air it was a change it Solidified a bit more what they wanted to make the franchise and what Resident Evil was. I remember every week, you know, news stories coming out and the frustration of people. Interesting, oh my God, when is four finally going to come out? It was so funny at the time. It was the Mikami, you're going to pee your pants trailer for the that was the castle build, uh,
4: wasn't
1: it? That
3: That's was the mean. castle and airship build. Then that was being developed when they were doing remake. Then there was the hallucination build that we've talked because, about as well. So
1: yeah, no, I was just going to actually ask one because I know he's quite up on kind of the dates of the development. Because I remember at the time when we were getting leaked screenshots of that build from Castle. At the same time, video game magazines, I remember, were bringing up screenshots from Zero. I was wondering that both were being developed at the same point.
3: Yeah, from my understanding, and I could be wrong, but I think the development teams were essentially split into two. The focus being predominantly on remake until that was mostly finished. A group splintered off and was working on four content, and the rest of the teams that were working would pipeline through onto Zero until that was complete, and then the remaining team, once that was complete, was also. supposed to move over to four. I think that's what I remember reading at the time. I'm not sure if it's 100% correct, but it would make sense. There's a lot of debate. If you remember the Biohazard remake website, they put up weekly videos when they were showcasing all the new stuff they were putting into the remake. So this is between 2001 and 2002. And every week they put up new videos. And one of them they did, they did some test video stuff that they showed. They showed a fly-through of the mansion environment to show that it was fully renderable in 3D. And they showed off some environments that were pre-rendered but there were new environments. One of them was a staircase with rain, and one of them was a fireplace that had gotten out of control, both from the castle built. Those are environments from the castle locations rendered properly in 3D as opposed to being 3D environments showcased like the game. And I've shown it on the Discord before, but you can see the shared assets. You can see the same chandeliers, the same fences, the same stonework, yeah. the same arches, and the stairs as well. Also appeared in the trailer. with the There was a playthrough camera going down the viral staircase obviously not as in high definition as the free renders because they had all these visual effects going on but this environment's being reutilized for that and they were clearly part of that design so it's, it's interesting obviously the game struggled they weren't happy with the castle build that got reasonable amount of time and development and that didn't collapsed the hallucination build didn't get pretty much far beyond what we've seen didn't really have much of a core idea other than main basics and there was a discussion there was another build that we've never publicly seen that was more traditional with zombies.
1: Oh, that was just uh, called Zombie, yeah,
3: Zombie, yeah, uh, and didn't get very far in development, and then they re-established that, and we took over, and again, even though he was reluctant to be director, to do the version we got in the end, which was basically throwing the entire thing out.
6: But what we've got to remember, of course, is that Rob was at the forefront of the RE universe back then. Uh, it Still is yeah. now, of course, but you know, running uh, Resident Evil fan and no, uh, not at all. New Blood, <laughs> it was um, your finger was very much on the pulse back then when it came to development. Yeah. But it's interesting because Resident Evil Four is is with its history and and its different builds. The one we got, obviously, was the Game Changer. A strong
14: sense of deja vu washes over Leon, and he shakes his eyes as if he were dizzy. A memory forged in the hell of this world that will never disappear, will never be forgotten. The tragedy of Raccoon City, where the dead flooded the streets and consumed everything in a continuous swell. The spectacle playing out before his eyes right now is like that same image repeating itself. A group of villagers screaming, waving their axes and sickles, and rushing towards him. He forcibly moves his trembling index figure, with a reflex action sent from his brain, with the force of a fist, his finger presses the pad of the trigger, and a 9mm parabellum round fires from his weapon with a dry, cracking sound that echoes in the cloudy sky. It flies with precision, directly following Leon's line of sight. A second shot penetrates the shoulder of a middle-aged man trying to throw a hatchet at the head of the approaching group. The man staggers back and screams in pain, but only for a brief moment. The middle-aged man begins to advance forward again, turning his darkened eyes towards Leon and cursing with murderous intent. Despite deliberately avoiding the key organs, Leon's bullets were fired with an emphasis on stopping power, and anyone hit should be immediately overcome with pain and immobilized. Yet these people continue with an abnormal robustness, only possible if their senses were numbed. In the first instance, Leon had opened fire with the intention of scaring this mob away. By assaulting their eardrums and subduing those who were leading the way, he attempted to bring these villagers, who for some reason had turned ferocious with a crazed group mentality, back to their senses. He does not want to kill them if he can help it. That thought is at the root of Leon. This is different from that time. Here, it is human beings he's dealing with. They are not zombies who have lost all rational human thought because of a virus developed as a weapon. Of course, trained as a United States agent, Leon is prepared to eliminate criminals and terrorists who harm innocent people without hesitation. If it means he can save endangered citizens, his spirit is robust enough to pull that trigger without a second thought. But despite the killing of one of the officers who accompanied him, the villagers here are still living a social existence. The weapons they carry in their hands were used as tools for work until just a short time ago. It is also an inescapable fact that here in this remote place, Leon is an outsider who has wandered into their midst and is not an advocate of absolute justice. This is why he wants to reawaken these villagers. All they have to do is regain their senses and pay for the crimes in accordance with the law. There is no point firing fatal shots here. Leon desperately wants to believe that but they do not stop
15: Te voy a picadillo.
14: even in the moment where the man staggered after being hit by the bullet the chasing pack are not frightened at all and charge past the man chasing down Leon it is as if they do not care about being shot at all finally Leon realizes The look in their eyes is neither the excitement of deviating from their daily routines, or the extraordinary fear of dealing with an invader. They are like the eyes of an insect that display no emotion. A quiet, meticulous intent to methodically eliminate territorial invaders, carried out in the same vein as farming and chopping wood. It is a madness that is never awakened from. They are not just a mob. Hunting and killing strangers is part of everyday life for these villagers. Realising that his warning is being ignored, Leon turns on his heels. And starts running as he tilts his head he feels a gust of wind from behind as an axe flies past his ear and bending deep into the front door of a nearby house without slowing down he quickly checks inside in theory it seems foolish to stand in a building but the secure structure of the surrounding walls is already in his mind as soon as he recognizes the existence of a ladder he jumps inside and runs upstairs before the chasing villagers reach the entrance looking out through the window Leon is once again hit by a strong sense of deja vu. Villagers, regardless of gender, were gathering their weapons of choice. They approach with a uniformly hollow expression, reminiscent of the horde of the dead who marched through Raccoon City six years ago. Leon is coming to realize the boundary between that day and this is becoming blurry and beginning to merge together. There are soon signs that someone is climbing the ladder. Suppressing the urge to move immediately, he lingers long enough to attract a flock of villagers. Then his trained body leaps out of the window and lands on the roof of the neighboring house. That should have broken the siege. But in the immediate vicinity, a throttle starts up an engine that makes a writhing growl. Turning around, Leon sees a man running towards him with a large chainsaw used for logging. His head is covered with a burlap sack and only his eyes glare through the holes. He is desperate to chop up his prey. The only way to survive this encounter is for one to kill the other. At that moment Leon points his muzzle between the two holes and fires. As if defeated by a giant hunter, the man with the chainsaw topples off the green roof. If Leon had hesitated for even a moment he would have been torn apart by that rotating high-speed blade. He jumps off the roof and begins sprinting without looking back. The orders to regroup swirl around here and there, but the closing ring of pursuers is already behind him. I'm stepping into hell again. It is a murky swamp that cannot be crossed without madness. The sound of a sombre bell tolling reaches Leon's ears as he shakes off his pursuers and runs north of the village. It sounds. Dominantly like a bell of condolence dedicated to the future of a certain intruder, he still has no way of knowing that a horror that will shake the whole world is about to spill from this remote area.
6: Was there any build that anyone really liked the look of or the sound of that perhaps should have been 4? Or do you think ultimately what they did with 4 was the right thing? In hindsight, it's a beautiful thing, of course. And I think it's hard to argue that it wasn't the right call. But, you know, what does everyone think?
1: I really enjoyed the Hookman, you know, the gameplay that Karamura designed. But for all the wrong reasons, you know, the series, we wouldn't be talking about it now because, you know, I loved the throwback to the Spencer Mansion type exploration. I thought it was very ambitious. And that kind of almost proved to be its downfall with the technical limitations between two worlds. You know, the hallucination world that had that blue filter over it when the hookman appeared, and I thought that was very interesting—the way that you know, you had the different perspectives um, and perhaps things that you collect uh, in the normal world, you'd do something in in the kind of the hallucinatory world.
3: George, I was going to say that this is quite relevant to uh, throwing in their silent hill references. The game that's just coming out for the Xbox that was at the medium has got the two worlds concept, and there and even they were like the only reason it's only coming to next gen consoles is because they are straight to get that idea to work on previous gen. And it's the same about two worlds coexisting, being able to transition anything through. So it's a technical bottleneck that obviously still exists even now with the current technology. Uh, That was another reason with the castle version was the technical problems Mm -hmm. they were having. So if you remember in the trailer, there was the almost Ouroboros-like creature that you could see. And uh, it obviously inspired that design, I think, in 5. But I think that was a technical issue as well, trying that on screen with everything else going on on. The other thing I haven't mentioned, and this is for you guys to talk about, is the one consistent thing between all these builds, including the final release, and the one game that came out of the original plan for 4, which was Devil May Cry, which is a castle. There's a consistent theme of always having a castle interior. Because of the research trip they did to Spain, all that sort of stuff, it's all very influenced by that trip that they took. So, that's the one consistent that all of these games have uh, across the board. And even some weird offshoots like Haunting Ground, a castle theme all based around that research trip it's crazy that they got so much out of that entire trip <laughs> you know several yeah. games basically
1: well didn't that yeah. castle build that's we can fall down a rabbit hole with this but that isn't ultimately what I Devil May Cry became
3: no it was an earlier version it was supposed to have Leon but then there was like a twin brother which obviously turned into Dante and Virgil there's work which gets pointed to a lot on the HD collection there's a very early artwork of two babies sitting in like a dish with the umbrella logo spooled over them
2: yeah it was called and... Tony originally wasn't he Tony, Tony. Tony- Tony, yeah, Tony. yeah.
3: Tiny. yeah. So, there was this whole thing going on with that, and the idea came to action oriented that they went down the path of just going, let's redesign this into another game. But the environments definitely invoke the Lost in Nightmares DLC for Resident Evil 5, it has influence from yes. the unfinished Resident Evil 4 builds. So, it's something that obviously had a huge impact on the legacy of the game, ironically, was the original planning that went into the first version, still stuck ground through every iteration and numerous spin offs. So, yeah, it's, uh, I didn't even think about that until you mentioned that comment.
6: GTA. Sean, if you were going to comment on what build you had your eye on,
2: um, I think we'll all mourn, you know, what the the sort of storyline was for the Progenitor build, you know, because obviously the, at the time the Progenitor had just been recently introduced for the first time in the actual core games in um, Code Veronica, and then the 2002 trailer was like, oh, you know, the cradle of the Progenitor virus oh, and all yeah. that. And I think we'll always mourn that build never coming to light, just from a story sort of point of view. Whether the gameplay would have been revolutionary is the the final game, probably not. But that again, there's a benefit of hindsight. Is we'll never know. You yes, know, we will never know the direction or the pathway that these series went through. All I can remember is I think the first time the news of the final build broke, I think was in a magazine. It might have even been a Famitsu that people translated. And I remember being on the REH forums at the time. It was a total meltdown at the, <laughs> the prospect of like zombies not being, you know, the, the main enemy in the game. And I remember that was one of the biggest takeaways was the fact that, you know, this magazine article and I remember the scans, I remember seeing the scans now, and uh, you know, it was set in Spain, it was going to be outdoors in the daytime, and it was, the zombies are totally gone, and your new enemy will not be Umbrella, and I just remember trying to moderate the uh, the wave of hatred. So are you saying, Sean, that the RE community had a meltdown? <laughs> yes,
3: absolutely. <laughs> long, long, before, long before I have them you know, on a regular basis. let <laughs> am throw some context into that because, so, I basically, Capcom, Used to have a gamers' day event in Vegas every year, and I think it was one basically a year before Resident Evil Four came out. So it was like January two thousand four. They had their event and obviously information started to leak out about a new version of Resident Evil Four. And the descriptions we got were definitely like very different. And they said they're officially releasing information the next week. The next week there was the issue that Sean's talking about, which was I think Game Magazine had a front cover with uh, Leon being attacked with a chainsaw. <laughs> oh, yeah, um, and it was a big deal and I think then about a day the day after Capcom officially released the video footage online of the trailer and everything so yeah there was a lot of like this isn't zombies this isn't my Resident Evil definitely so, something you've definitely so heard when said, do enemies
2: <laughs> chase you with chainsaws and, yeah. and now yeah. no a staple these aren't
3: even zombies in the dimension they were parasites they definitely said they're like a parasitic oh,
2: yeah, parasites.
3: A, yeah. what does those have to do it? you know like it was not a happy reception but the thing was the thing that helped it work was the fact that I think they had the gameplay demo the one that ended up being shipped with the famitsu magazine i think that was playable for people at the event and to press and the press loved it everyone who tried it was like the game is amazing and i think it was the positive comments about the game that got some people to go maybe this could be okay like the one other thing about it is that it definitely confirmed the bat that they were ignoring umbrella and i remember that caused a
2: huge (laughs) thing to (laughs) me Myself included, you know, I wasn't happy either. No. Am I remembering, Rob, that the very first bit of footage, and you might have even had it, re fan, was a small, I don't know, it might have even just been like a three-second clip that was shown in like some sort of Japanese commercial or something, and it was just like Leon vaulting over a a wooden fence.
3: I think it was, very long before we got the reveal of it properly because when we finally got it we got a proper footage from Capcom if I remember
6: Batman I'm I'm keen to hear what your thoughts about early builds were and especially in regards to perhaps the storyline consequences and where you think it would have gone uh, or perhaps wouldn't have gone in the end well I just think it's very easy to
5: look back fondly on a build that has so many sort of myths and legends around it and we've only got a few trailers and a very very short gameplay video to go off I think it's very easy to say that sort of thing would have been far better Better than the final product. I was actually really happy with the final build. I thought, thank God we've actually got rid of fucking zombies and we're not gonna have yet another T virus spill because I thought that sort of thing was harming the story at the time. Yes, the exclusion of Umbrella was a narrative mistake. But yes, people obviously wanted the likes of Chris and Wesker and Jill to come back and the umbrella takedown thing to happen. Of course, everyone wanted that. But I just felt when it was finally revealed, it was just so refreshing. Not just the change in gameplay style, but the fact we had sort of semi-human enemies you know i know everyone's not a fan of last plagas but i think it's a brilliant addition to the series you know this thing we've always talked about semi-realistic science parasites do this sort of thing in real life resident evil's just taken that and exaggerated it and things like the setting you know the village not so much the castle but the village and the island itself felt refreshing you know for once we weren't in a dilapidated mansion we'd seen thousands of times we weren't in these high-tech laboratories you know it just it made the universe suddenly feel so much bigger and for me i wouldn't swap the final build we got for any Anything. I know exploring the origins of Progenitor, etc., would have been interesting, and I know we've got some answers to what the sort of direction they were going down with the uh, human remains and the Mallet Island setting and all that stuff, but I actually think the Progenitor background we got in Resident Evil 5 was better than that anyway. So for me, I'm happy with the version of Hawaiian. Can okay.
10: mm. I just say real quick there, I just love how you sounded so annoyed when you said like T I was like, Oh, another T virus spill. Like you're describing another fucking BP oil spill or something in the gulf, like, oh that's done it again. <laughs> you know what I'm
6: But I think he makes a good point there because it was bordering on the realms of impossibilities to the number of T virus outbreaks. You know, <laughs> but by, by the time you got to Dead Aim, you know, the actual T virus leak in Dead Aim is is so pointless. And you really have to just try and work out why that even happened. And it was just, yeah. I take John's point entirely on board with that. It was becoming more and more implausible that oh, another person's released the T virus. Oh, another, you know, and, and I get that. Okay, so that, that's a nice little kind of debrief back in time as to the kind of setting, as it were, of of the game and where it was leading up to. And we've also touched upon when it was released to the world and what the community reacted uh, like. So let's talk about when it came out. So we're going to have a quick touch upon your review, if you like, at the time. So when you first loaded up that disc and you hit play and you completed the game for the first time, what was everyone's initial view, if you like, of the game? I'm going to start because I have this very, very vivid memory of playing Resident Evil 4 on the GameCube because I was very excited about getting a GameCube, uh, playing all the new games, and like so many people, the village setting was incredible and it was a different type of horror that we hadn't experienced in Resident Evil Uh, that kind of slow build up tension and the kind of jump moments were very much gone it was now bang 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 in your face and then all hell breaks loose by the bonfire then Dr. Salvador turns up as well and you are absolutely bricking it and, the, and the, you are you are, and you're like oh my god you've picked up the shotgun you're like well that's not good I need a bloody magnum really let's be honest it was just this relentless feeling and it just didn't stop and I enjoyed it I really really enjoyed it and then we met the merchant and I thought oh finally right okay we'll get back to a bit of normality now you know we've, we've had the whole village section we're now in some kind of weird canyon thing that looked a bit like something out of Arizona and uh, we've met the merchant we've got a rifle but we're going to carry on and I distinctly remember being bitterly disappointed that actually no it's just going to carry on and I thought we were then going to get a bit more of a slower paced survival horror experience after that I thought the opening chapters were just one big thing and then it slowed down and I remember going across those planks and just you know the hordes of enemies coming and I was going I'm not sure I'm liking this this needs to slow the fuck down and it just didn't And that memory has stuck in my mind ever since I know exactly what I was doing, where I was, and the moment in the game where I realised that this was not the Resident Evil that I had grown up enjoying and that even factors into account things like Dead Aim because you can give it a bit of a pass and things like that because it's a spin-off this is a main title. Dead Aim
1: though so intelligently utilised both systems together I felt far more than RE4 yeah yeah, it
6: did this was the mainline game this this is survival horror or thought it was but then I mean to be honest the box art says it isn't doesn't it doesn't it say like it's survival horror but not as you know it or something like that I can't remember Mm -hmm. although it says this is not survival horror this is survival action I think was a a tagline somewhere along the line so I do have a bit of a love-hate relationship with the game in the sense that is that disappointment just rings true for me throughout the game that it wasn't what I expected but it's not a bad thing. I'm
1: very very similar to Nick and listening to you talk though almost sounds to me it's more like describing my experience with Resident Evil 5 and I feel you know at the beginning huge disappointment that I didn't get that hallucination gameplay and and the scenario that we saw Leon in in the castle even more than the lore I wasn't so much into the lore at that time but the thing that gets me past it and I totally agree with you that huge disappointment this is not the scene. I grew up with. This is not what I want my Resident Evil to be, but far more for me than with Resident Evil 5, 4 still has these real highlight moments of placing you in it in, with a lot of combat A lot of enemies, yeah, pursuing you. But just the setup of those scenarios, for me, kind of just skew it more to a survival horror or just a tense feeling that I don't get with RE5. So, you know, you've got the setup in the cabin with, you know, Louis, and it's just relentless. But I don't know, it just seems to evoke a lot more tension. And I don't know, for me, just survival horror elements than 5 does. Although, again, for me, this was a very painfully linear game and the puzzles, again, that we're cursing, like the RE3 water sample puzzle. But, Jesus, it was ridiculous. You know, the, the lack thereof of puzzles in RE5 is a huge bugbear for me, and that it was. I think I can only recall one instant in the game where you kind of really get that choice after I think fighting the huge troll. Um, I think that you, you've got two ways that you can go.
7: The news that the extraction helicopter was shot down by someone came just as he was about to leave the village with the rescued Ashley. We are preparing the next helicopter right now. In the meantime, head towards the initial helicopter landing zone. The operator, Hunigan, relays her instructions in a clerical tone as if she were here alongside him. Of course, she is just another stranger and not a direct acquaintance, but Leon is rather grateful for her unemotional response. At all times, the supporting role must present the impression to the agent in the field that they are watching and analyzing the situation calmly, even if the situation is desperate. It is easy to imagine the chaos at command headquarters. The crash of a helicopter that should have been top secret meant that information is still being leaked from somewhere. It is still unknown if this is the work of an inside informant or whether their communications channels are being monitored. He likes Hunnigan, who does not shy away from providing him such information, yet the hope for their survival draws increasingly thin. Unexpected events are occurring in this remote village. No, this is unpredictable territory. The same madness and immorality as the events of Raccoon City. Leon has already witnessed a strange sight. A tentacle-like object had emerged from the neck of a villager who had lost his head and should have been dead. It grew several tentacles like a mollusk, and the tip was hardened like a metal blade. It attacked Leon with a clear intention to kill, and all while somehow manipulating a human body without a head. It is a life form that makes no logical sense, an ingenious parasite that lurks inside the bodies of other organisms, hijacks the central nervous system, and controls its behavior. This was something that conventional biology could never explain. But Leon understands. He can accept this crazy situation as reality without dismissing it because he is the one who survived a city of hell in doing so. Zombies were not the only thing in Raccoon City. He was chased by more unusual, more hideous monsters who blocked his path many times. Yet Leon overcame them all with his humanity, and that is why he is alive today. Therefore, his spirit never gives way to fear. He has built up a strong will to confront unknown horrors that is necessary in unimaginable predicaments. Even the bravest soldiers who have survived countless battlefields would not match Leon's viability in this current situation. He is one of the best in the world to deal with abnormal situations, but he believes this mission will be difficult. What he must deal with, that is, the mysterious organism that has possessed the inhabitants of this village, is extremely formidable. As far as Leon can tell, the parasitized humans seem to exert tremendous vitality. Perhaps they secrete substances that numb pain receptors and amplify the metabolic functions of the host, but they can take several bullets and still get back up without a care in the world. A gunshot to the head, usually proving fatal for a normal person, does not lead to immediate death here because the human brain now only plays a secondary role. But if this brain function is compromised, the parasitic organism lurking in the torso is exposed as a sensory organ and resumes activity in a more ferocious manner. He cannot compete with such a monster without packing enough firepower. What is even more troubling is they retain their social skills as human beings. Despite being invaded by a foreign life form, the villagers continue their lives as humans to a somewhat unnatural extent. It is still possible for them to communicate in complex languages, a trait unique to humans with strong solidarity. A swarm of monsters that have heightened physical functions than regular humans yet act with human intelligence and in a completely organized manner, making them not afraid of death. It is a group even Leon cannot help but be terrified by. It is an immortal army that surrounds he and Ashley, rising from the bottom of the earth. And the hair-raising hallucinations he experienced a while ago reappear in his mind, an image of something deadly clinging at his heart, a tiny dominator being born and crawling under his skin with many tendrils. It releases an unholy venom and transforms what was Leon into another creature. That tentacle writhes where his head was, like the needle-shaped parasite that bursts from the belly of a mantis. It unfolds in a nauseating dance. He suppresses his sudden terror, cutting off the scream building in the back of his throat and shakes off the vision. However, over time this illusion will become a reality. Leon and Ashley have been implanted with parasite eggs by the Los Illuminados cult, the hosts of this nightmarish feast, and perhaps they are already hatching. They are beginning to take hold in order to turn them both into puppets. Even if they can escape from this village, they are still done for if they cannot get rid of the parasites. If the Los Illuminados are using them as a tool of control, there must be a way to remove them. Yet it might be impossible once they mature. Somehow, in this desperate situation and with limited time, he must find a way to get rid of the parasites and secure their escape. He closes the communicator and looks up at the dark sky with the rain coming down. Leon! She attempted to show authority, perhaps because she was the daughter of a VIP but Ashley's voice trembles as she looks up at her rescuer. Her voice reminds Leon of events on that day, six years ago, and he is inspired by the memory of his efforts to save a little girl who was infected with the virus. He has the experience to get through this, and knows that resignation is his greatest enemy. He smiles inwardly, and he knows how reassuring this little look can be. Silently urging Ashley on, they begin to cross a different bridge to the one already destroyed. I will protect her from the cult, from that foul parasite. A quiet fire is lit in the inner cavity of his heart, and this indomitable flame will never be blown out, and will melt through the darkness of despair.
6: Let's try and balance that slight negativity out. Uh, <laughs> does the kind of initial view when you first played it, was there a more positive view from anyone else? You're
5: right about the village siege. It was terrifying, wasn't it? But it was a different type of horror than what we were used to in the first few games. I mean, you get the nice little intro where you, you have a few enemies to take out as you're making your way towards the village and you spend that time getting used to the new perspective and the new control system, etc. And then when the village siege starts, you're just like, fuck, you know, this is relentless. I don't know how you guys felt, but the very first first time you played, I know it'd been shown in trailers and whatnot, but when you're physically playing it and Leon hides in the building and all of a sudden you're surrounded and they're suddenly banging on the windows, you hear the chainsaw fire up outside, and then you hear the window smashing upstairs. And you just think, fucking hell, what am I gonna do? I mean that was absolutely terrifying. I remember that first experience like it was yesterday. But then like you Nick, the experience became a bit samey throughout. I was expecting when you got to the castle, it was gonna change into your sort of 3.5 experience it was going to become more horrifying it was going to be a proper hub area like the mansion like the rpd but it just wasn't Mm -hmm. but there was many standout moments in that game which many games have copied since like the cabin siege with luis like george mentioned how many times has that been replicated even in resident evil alone we had it in resident evil 6 revelations 2 and you could argue none of them were as effective as as resident evil 4 Mm -hmm. and likewise some of the quick time events the knife fight with krauser was superb (laughs) <laughs> you know, it was so revolutionary <laughs> at the time. I mean we all hate quick time events now, but back then.
1: Has quick time events ever been employed in the way that it was in that fight, the way that it kind of builds up and the stages because I loved that event and I'm not a fan of quick time events.
5: Yeah, and I'm not either, but you know, you had a real sense of achievement when you came through that fight with Krauser. Yeah. It was like you'd actually fucking beat him. I liked um, that
10: Krauser fight. It was like a Metal Gear Solid boss fight that was which I enjoyed particularly.
5: Yeah, but there was some horror elements to the game. Like I think the game really goes up a notch when Leon regains consciousness after fighting the del lago when it's nighttime and it's raining and it's thunder and lightning when you go back to the village especially you know there's good elements of horror there as well
1: and can i just say very quickly building what batman just said i really sticks in my mind horror element is you guys will tell me i can't remember you're approaching a particular location and it's like a, a mini cutscene, scene and there's just one lone ganando walking towards you and then the plaga just suddenly you know his neck does that really creepy almost silent hill nurse type at skew with his neck and the plaga kind of bursts out
3: there's the scene that john's just talking about. With- the rainfall, you've just woken up in the cabin after the Del Lago thing, and you go through towards the dam you have to close. It, yeah, and I oh, think there
1: might be lightning. Walking.
3: Yeah. yeah no, that, that's a great yeah. scene.
2: Star's so, so. turn? My initial reaction was quite similar to um, if anyone caught the VR 7 stream, um, toward the end I was making a joke of, like, literally searching for the law, and I remember... <laughs> Once you'd got to the island, you felt the game was starting to wrap itself up and unfortunately it goes down too many action avenues and things like that. But I do remember distinctly thinking, like, where is this lore? I get the fact that the series is trying to do a bit of a, like a storyline reset, but it, it's gotta give us more than what it has. And I remember being like crippled with disappointment, you know, by sort of like having to come to terms with the fact that they're moving on from Umbrella. Fair enough. That's is clearly what they want to do. They've erased them in the opening, you know, few lines of the opening movie. But then by the end of it, by the time you finished, not only the Main campaign, you've had a couple of name drops from Krauser, and then fucking Wesker turns up in the assignment Ada ending to basically talk about bringing back Umbrella, and I'm like, well, what the fuck was the reset for then?
3: That's, That's pretty got, much got, yeah, how I sort
2: yeah. of reached my ending of the first playthrough. It was just like, what was it all for? If we're just going to go straight back there, and ironically, time sort of repeating itself now with Village again and Seven. You know, every time we seem to have these sort of big resets, they seem to just rush straight back to Umbrella, even though they make such an effort to get rid of it. It just amuses me so much.
6: Thank
3: you, Robbie. Yeah, I was super keen. I mean, it was it was a time frame where things have been changed, and I was happy and looking forward to it. I as I said in my introduction I imported the copy which I hadn't done for a number of years since 3 had come out I think and I was happy I was giddy I remember I, similar to what John said about the village I remember the slow burn of like learning the controls and getting in there and then just being overwhelmed great concept and, and considering how much had been talked about in the press about it and played as well as I'd expected given all the hype that had surrounded it I didn't have any issues like you guys did I, I kind of enjoyed the pace the first time I played it I, thought, I remember thinking was it was an extremely long game which it still is even i still haven't looked up what the speedrunning thing is but i assume without literally skipping and i know glitches to skip bosses and so forth that it's still a reasonably long game if you speed your way through it so it's one of those games that i think probably could have done with some trimming in the long run just to condense some of the the sameness out of it but i don't honestly think i remember thinking too much about that the first time i played it i remember feeling the tone was all over the place Good comments about the horror, and I'm always one of those believers that horror is perception to the person individually, right? So the idea of being overwhelmed and these uh, overpowered beings and, and the parasites and all that sort of stuff, I mean, we can go on about the action, but there's still horror elements throughout that entire game. And, and I do think it does get lost, especially in the last sections of the game. I think from the later part of the Coverdurgo, accepted, perhaps, yeah, you're getting chased by giant statues. You know, the entire island section is pretty much action and there's little in the horror, except then you get the regenerators. And so there's, there's this constant, almost like, toying between is this horror enough is this action enough and i and i never really had too much of an issue with the balance i guess
10: mr s i'm actually going to kind of mirror what uh what john said initially where when you go to the village there's that gun battle in the village where you're running for your life from a chainsaw enemy terrifying i believe the back of the box are on the ps2 cop ps2 version at least said uh, forget survival horror this is action horror uh, but for me i think it's more of what i would call anxiety horror so when you had like fixed camera angles, you didn't know what was ahead of you. You were kind of unsure about moving ahead because you didn't see what was ahead of you. But in this game, you're always worried about what's behind you. You hear a noise behind you, and because you're always looking ahead of you, you have to like physically turn around to see what's behind you. But then you're someone else could come from you know, the other side. So a lot of anxiety in that game for me. The village section definitely the highlight for me. You, know, you you've got your Mendez fight. You got your chainsaw dudes. The castle. I didn't think this at the time, but looking at what John said about it should have been like a hub area would have been amazing honestly that was a very slow paced sort of you know mansion kind of you know explorations kind of deal would be pretty neat castle was the weakest part of the game by far there's elements that are kind of cool like the vadugo and such but there's a lot of nonsense and filler <laughs> I like the island, you got your lab, if anyone says Ori 4 is not scary, uh, fucking regenerators do. When you go in that fucking little lab area, with the freezer room or whatever it is, and you get that infrared scope you're trying to get to it, and then something drops down and it's like, man, it's crazy. It gives me a lot of anxiety that game does.
3: That music that and the breathing sound that goes with them oh. Oh <laughs> still God. gives me chills.
6: Was a great baddie.
3: If I could
10: put a theme music to anxiety, it would be the Regenerator theme. Just
6: you just hear that
10: playing and there's no enemies around you in real life.
6: I think, though, that's one of the frustrating things. And I think, from my point of view, that showed really good survival horror. Because he only takes, what, four hits or something, a Regenerator, but you had to get it perfect. You had to use the scope. You had to aim your, you know, your rifle exactly the right point. And they got really close and they were deadly. And there's just not enough of that. Because you'd go, oh, they this has been really good, you know, the, the whole lab section was, as you say, quite terrifying, you also had the kind of nice jump moment with the flame Ganado, fire Ganado coming out of the out of the oven, you're like okay, that's good, and, and and then it's just counteracted by, you know a shoot down with a helicopter, and I think it goes back to what Rob says, it's tonally a bit all over the place, and you know, when you go onto the island and someone's getting out a bloody Gatling gun you're like, what the, you know, it's hard to stomach from my point of view
3: same from the castle. You've got slingshotting fire boulders from cultists. There's a machine gun one in that and yeah. like a turret that pops out. There's these moments where the action really took over and you and you can clearly tell some developers or designers were involved in some areas and others and other bits. You go into the into the mines, for example, and it, it starts to go back to that kind of village horror route. But then suddenly they're like, oh, well, we need to throw your boss. So well, here's two El Gantes for you, you know, yeah. because we need them. Uh, Yeah, it's kind of a weird imbalance in places. As I said, I think the horror elements, it depends on what you find. You know, panic is still horror, you know, the the whole village siege. And what's the name of the, I'm completely blanked right now, the enemies that can't see and they've got the long claw. Garadar. Geridor, thank you. The Gyarados, like, to me, are really tense fights because most of the time they're in closed spaces and you've got all the other enemies around you and they keep dropping down. And if you get too close to the doors, the guys can hit you from outside the doors, so you have a amount of room in there. I find that scary because I find that really, really tense. Like, I find that really hard to deal with, especially on pro. Like, it's one of those things that, you know, there's elements do exist there, it's just finding them. But there's other people that come to the opposite of so who are like, I didn't want horror, I wanted that. That tense action feel. I like the machine gun platforms. I loved running in a quick time event from a statue. You know, There are people that love those parts. I'm sure they're listening to this going,
6: yeah, that's me! Uh, <laughs> I hate you guys. I think you got to go a long way to find someone that likes Stone Salazar. <laughs>
10: you raise a good point now, though, Rumbi, because when you talk about people not knowing what they want, and I feel like the Ori community is like that Simpsons episode, where there's that itchy and scratchy like, panel of all those kids, and they're like, okay, so you want to have like a serious, realistic down to a show with crazy and outlandish elements that don't make any <laughs> sense and stuff like that <laughs> yeah that, that panel of kids like you know ralph and lisa that's the community that's us
3: <laughs> i don't know who's to blame for that this is means like the problem is there are people in the community that are totally like that and there is a bit of back and forth what is this franchise what do we want what don't we want and then when a game is so tonally inconsistent as resident evil 4 but then you seem to like it of course they're going to be like oh we're going to do more of that And that's how we get something like resident evil 5 so
16: The old castle where Leon and Ashley have fled is full of the grotesque as if it wanted to add more concentrated madness to this brush and leave its violent movements to paint. They are being lured into this evil exhibition without having any other choice. Nestling within are the fanatics of the evil group Los Illuminados who have chosen to abandon all reason that man should possess. They worship the power brought by the parasitic creature Plaga, a belief with a clear malice that distinguishes them from the villagers who fell victim to ignorance and conversion in a closed society. Whilst turned into a marionette whose thoughts have been hijacked, a blissful smile occasionally breaks out on their usually expressionless faces, sending shivers down Leon's spine. The terrifying essence of the Plaga in the souls of those who cannot even pray for liberation is revealed there. Furthermore, there are some miserable things that were born by utilizing the hidden nature of this parasite, which was to maintain the life of the host and make them stronger. Since the parasitic subjects did not die easily, they were repeatedly subjected to drug administration and gene modifications previously deemed unthinkable. The clawed Garrador was developed as a killing machine, but due to its increased ferocity and lack of control, It was deprived of its sight and left to endlessly hunt its prey relying only with its hearing. In addition, the insect-human Novistador has transformed to something that no longer resembles its original form following incorporation of various insect genes. When man unleashes their evil desires, Leon, who has already glimpsed this hell, is terrified they can conduct such demonic human experiments and now the products of those nightmares wander around freely all over the place. Being separated from Ashley by a trap only intensifies his resolve. In the first place, she's innocent. Just for being the daughter of the President of the United States, she was kidnapped to this remote place, and at the young age of 20, bears witness to a hell filled with human malice and blood. He must rescue her as soon as possible. The emptiness in his heart was now filled with a flame of anger and a strong sense of mission. Leon never wanted to live as an agent. However, when confronted by a difficult challenge, his heart was undeniably fulfilled but that heartfelt fire now fluctuates and disappears. He is in one of the bedrooms in the huge castle that it is thought to have once been used for guests. From the moment he senses a sign of something creeping up behind him, Leon has a sense of anticipation. Since arriving in the village, he had often fell under the watchful eye of someone's gaze, someone who was not a member of this cult. In fact, Leon was once saved by a third party shooter when cornered by the giant chief of the village, Petoraz Mendez. At that time, it was certainly the silhouette of a woman that was briefly spotted outside the window, a lithe shadow disappearing out of sight that awakened unforgettable memories. Now, in this bedroom, there is a brief moment of attack and defense with that same shadow. The woman kicks up the gun that Leon tries to snatch and attempts to catch it again, but seconds before the muzzle is re pointed, his army knife is pressed against her carotid artery. Their breath which rose in that moment, now settles, lingering in the room like the afterglow of two people passionately colliding with each other. The residual scent of heat, born in extreme situations, that is more intense than the exchange of love. Leon certainly felt it that day, at the bottom of that cauldron of hell, on the day of Raccoon City's judgement, when blood overflowed and saturated. A young rookie police officer found love there and was cruelly robbed. A vision of his youth, trapped in the centre of his heart, that will never return. That is why Leon does not believe what he's seeing until the woman removes her sunglasses. At this moment, he meets a woman who should have died to save him. The woman he loved. Leon, long time no see. Ada Wong is here. Dressed in a Chong Sam dress that does not seem suitable for such bloodshed, she smiles with a bewitching beauty that betrays the many years that have separated them. She has the heavenly beauty to deceive a man and make him involuntarily loosen his guard, even if it were their first meeting. Ada. With the missing puzzle piece now standing before him, Leon's heart is filled with the blink of an eye. The mission, his anger at all this evil, Ashley, everything is about to be replaced. With Ada. Information that a female spy was alive and matching Ada's description had been heard by Leon through the intelligence department. There were also rumors she had joined an organization that could be described as the remnants of Umbrella, but Leon had refused to believe it. Therefore, a tremendous recoil hits Leon. He just wants to forget it all and hug Ada, driven by a desire to fill the void of the last six years in one breath and quench his thirst. But it is Ada who holds back. Her eyes, like a leopard, speak to him with much more than just words. Don't be disappointed, Leon. This is not the way we work. Show me your growth after all this time that makes this reunion worthwhile. That's right, Ada. What should we exchange here are by no means familiar words. Leon swallows the love and joy he feels from the back of his throat and speaks without releasing the tension. So it is true. True?
8: About what? You, working with Wesker. I see you've been doing your homework.
16: Leon accepts the confirmation of her words. The extinguished flames of his fighting spirit needed to accomplish his mission are returning vigorously. She is his guru. When he struggles in hell, she is a guide to show him what to do. A few seconds later, Ada's abandoned sunglasses flashed and she melts vividly away into the darkness of the night. For a while, Leon stares at the window where she disappeared. The dawn is still far away and now they stand more further apart than ever. But there is no sadness. These complex emotions are synonymous with hope for him. Leon is about to be released from this clouded illusion. Going back
6: to it, how did everyone find? And uh, I know Sean's already touched upon the control scheme because it is still essentially tank controls, just in a kind of over-the-shoulder look. But I think it was more to do with a camera to get used to. Did everyone find that still quite manageable um, in in today's age? As I said, because I said earlier, the the remakes. Of two and three, they really perfected that over the shoulder look and feel. Does everyone got used to it quite quickly
3: or was it or took some adjusting? It took me a little bit to get readjusted to it. I still screwed up a couple of times with uh, reloading or shooting my gun inversely when I was trying to do the opposite. And how did you get on the other night, GT?
1: it's interesting you asked that Sean so Daz was streaming RE4 and I didn't realise and I started streaming it as homework for this podcast and I just again because it's my most often revisited game I, you know I just wanted to re-evoke those memories I have so many fond memories of hours on the Gamecube with it uh, and just the camera always just breaks the experience for me and as my gameplay was so shamefully bad I actually turned my channel off and started watching Sean's gameplay while I was playing because I was just so ashamed what people could see and then when I thought well I better just check in on my own channel because obviously you know, I want to keep up with the chat and thank people and stuff for their support and when i went back into my chat someone had written and it wasn't even a joke about my gameplay some new person into the stream hadn't recognized said is this guy trolling us I generally think it was some sort of like art performance you, where someone just purposely plays RE4 as badly as, as possible
10: you know what's bad though George right is the fact that I was watching Sean's stream and uh, I think Sean you know harmlessly I said hey uh, how is GT doing whatever and I hopped over to your stream to check on it and he was like getting killed whatever and I went oh you're doing your best George keep it up you know you, know, you st- stick with it stick with it and then went over to Sean's stream, went he's doing shit mate he's doing <laughs> terrible he's the worst
6: <laughs> <laughs> he died at the
1: villain <laughs> there must be an intelligent answer to why did I just not find this so game-breaking back in the day on the GameCube. I, I don't remember.
6: I um, would agree, though, going back to I replayed on the Wii, which is you, I'd say generally considered to be, I'd say the best good. version, but a really good version, and it's got but the... Um, the it's the
3: accuracy, yeah. The, the accuracy. The, the, the Wii mode provides yeah. a bit of accuracy. I
6: struggled with the camera on that big time. Really struggled, actually. I, I don't know if it was just down to the fact that on a much bigger and better quality TVs, as I last played on it, it's all a bit pixely and a bit jarring, but the speed of the camera and the movement seems to be a bit faster than perhaps what it would be on remake two and remake three, which has been my most recent over the shoulder experiences, so I found it really hard to get back into it and get back mm-hmm. into back into the groove of learning how it does go. And uh, Rob can testify to that because I was crap at Resident Evil Five <laughs> when we <laughs> when we played that cooperatively So
3: I think that's the thing we've got to think about: the impact of Resident Evil Four, is still even on the remakes themselves. You know, that camera angle, but they've obviously had time yeah. and years' yeah. experience to finesse the sort of speed and and all that and, sort of stuff. You know, four four is what of
10: I want to say real quick, because you remind me of this, is I was speaking with someone who was quite a newcomer to the series, and their first game was Ori 3 Remake. They went back to try Ori 4 for the first time, and they couldn't get into it. They didn't like the game very much. They tried, they completed it, but they had a not the most enjoyable time. And I think, ironically, Ori 4 has aged poorer than Ori 1 Remake, but the fact that so many games since Ori 4 have used that over-the-shoulder camera view and done it better and more refined... Everyone's so used to the over-the-shoulder camera now, everyone's so used to doing that with Gears of War, with like, OE2 Remake, ori 6 even. So, going back to that less refined base version of a very tired, now gameplay style, it's gonna feel dated, it's gonna feel old. Whereas if you go back to like, a fixed camera angle, like Remake, that hasn't been done in years, it's very Red to see nowadays, as a result, that ends up feeling different and fresher to new players to the series, you know, to newcomers. Like, oh, wow, this is really different to what I'm used to playing.
3: I think the only other benefit is there's this weird thing because the game design is still being used. People don't feel that Resident Evil 4 is as old as it is. You know it's So around and that gameplay style still exists, whereas you can have that difference between the remake. People can look at it and go, yeah, that's how games used to be. You know, they used to have the tank controllers and pre-rendered angles and, you know, that's different. It definitely feels, that's a throwback. That's an old game. Whereas, you know, when you have a game that's still over the shop and we're still making games over the shoulder people don't think about them being as old as they are Mm. we're talking an anniversary here for a game that came out 16 years ago so you know it's a sixteen-year-old game. It's not going to play like a game that came out last year.
6: It's the precursor, as you say. It's the precursor to all this. I think Mr. Spencer's points is absolutely spot on. Whereas remake is arguably the pinnacle of survival horror and tank controls and the graphical fidelity of everything. Resident Evil Four was the first one, and therefore it doesn't quite hold up time to refine its... Yeah, yeah. And that's not a yet. criticism of 4, that is not... Oh, yeah. No way is that a criticism of 4, it's just it's the first. It's always, you know, in the same way that arguably Resident Evil 1, and perhaps even say something like Alone in the Dark, feels dated compared to, say, the, you know, the quick turns of Resident Evil 3, and things like that. They, they got it better, so by the time you got to remake, it was... Yeah, it's a classic system. Exactly.
15: I
10: tried and tested, we've improved upon it so much, we've reached a climax of it, whereas Ori 4 was like, you were on tested ground, we have done this before so there's still going to be bugs in it and not going to work as well as it could but now we get to a point where that over the shoulder thing has been perfected and now we need to have another revolution in how gameplay is done and I think that Ori 7 has done that really and it's in, within the context of the series itself.
2: You see in talking about the controls you know this is one of the reasons why people clamber for a remake because I was talking with a, a few people on Twitter a, a while ago now, this was before Christmas and I remember someone um, said "Oh, that they were trying to play Resident evil 4 and they they couldn't get on with the controls they're used to a dual analog setup and someone asked them like you know i can't remember how it came up but their age came up and he said oh i'm 15 and I actually sat, I remember sat there thinking, fucking hell, he wasn't even born when Resident <laughs> Evil 4 came out. You know, and we have the context of obviously all the years that led up to it, all the, you know, seeing the impact and everything like that. And I just think, God, you know, how old are we? <laughs> <You know?
4: laughs>
2: well, think
1: how old I feel. My son's streaming. And I mean, I, actually very, that reminds me very quickly because he streams Resident Evil till midnight. Then he starts asking me all these bloody timeline questions. And some of them I don't actually have the answers to. I was just if I can, can John, can I have your phone number? Sure, Nick. Uh, um, Jacob can <laughs> I mean, phone not, you guys direct. I
6: was just asking Batman for his uh, opinion on, say, the overall control scheme and and its legacy going forward. I haven't really got too much to say on it, really. I thought the controls themselves were more or less the
5: same, weren't they? The new camera yeah. system I felt was um, a sort of natural evolution. It was. I didn't really have any issues with it. I thought it was um, a very very fun twist on what we were used to
6: looking back on it now though did you find it for your playthrough was it jarring compared to remake a little
5: bit because i'd randomly gone into my playthrough for having come off the back of a run through resident evil zero and um it wasn't so much the controls that bothered me it was more i mean you can say what you like about zero but i think we'd all agree it's very very atmospheric you know there's a lot of detail in the environments and the sound design and the overall atmosphere i've said on more than one occasion supersedes remake in certain places yeah so i'd gone through that game which is sort of a very cinematic horror movie interactive film type of experience and then you go into resident evil 4 and the thing that takes you out of that same experience straight away is you touched on it before nick with the merchant system it's like right i've started the game the first thing i'm going to do is shoot these uninfected birds in this tree (laughs) so they'll, they'll drop some money so i can upgrade my gun before i get to you know a certain point and and that sort of mm-hmm. arcade type element if you like takes you out of the the sort of horror experience previous games really went for
1: I completely agree. I got that very much with the blue medallions. You know, I'm looking for some law reason why these bloody blue medallions you know, are hanging everywhere. And you're right. No, it takes you out of the experience totally. You know, maybe save that for after, like in an after game bonus mini game, like we got. You know, with mercenary type games and full survivor with the original games. But um, yeah, I agree yeah. with
5: that. You shouldn't be getting excited yeah. when you walk in the El Gigantes yard and there's like ten crows on the floor, and you're like I'm just going to sneak up on these uninfected birds and throw a grenade at them and hope for <laughs> all get twenty five thousand. (laughs)
3: you've just twigged me for another thing too john which is just the context jumping and you jump out a window climb over a railing you know all these sorts of stuff i remember going well this is cool because you know we couldn't really do this so much with pre-rendered backgrounds and stuff but then it started to frustrate me more because it is only context there's certain things you can't jump over you can't climb through and i'm like why not you just jumped through a window and fell two stories and rolled on the ground i can't i can't get over this what are you doing (laughs)
10: <laughs> I would say, you know what I did like about when you mentioned throwing a flash grenade into a bunch of crows and getting all the loot from them? That reminds me of my earlier idea. Like, I still think you had an RPG elements. Because imagine if those, like, loot drops had, like, legendary or epic or whatever, the, you know, different... different elements, and you can get gear. Oh. That would be amazing. I will push for that. I don't no. care. I will push for that. No.
5: You, uh, you're on your own with that. You're right, though, Rob, because Leon can do all these acrobatics, like the laser corridor. I mean, Jesus Christ, what was that about? Um. <laughs> and yet at the same time he will not go in water which probably comes up to his knees and wade through to the door at the end he'd rather fight his way across this robo-salazar just so he can raise a platform a few feet above the water so he can reach the door
1: and I've been talking about <laughs> none of us have mentioned it yet uh, I don't think that you know his personality or, or lack thereof in this game and it's a serious point though how they completely changed you know with this awfully I don't know if they were going for a dry sense of humour with these little back chat
9: comments but quippies, yeah these little quippy oh. comments.
3: Yeah,
1: yeah. I don't know if that was almost because you of, were getting some... a lot of that in Hollywood action films. You know, you'd get a trailer yeah. and there'd be a little that hero would make a little funny tongue-in-cheek.
3: Uh, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna counter that, but not for the wrong reasons. You're completely right, George. But the problem is, I don't think it was a current thing in the time. It was almost a throwback to the like oh, '80s yeah. and '90s action hero. You know, you know that the old the old here's Arnie stick around. Yeah. Like yeah. you know, it, it was that throwback. Some of them work. Some of them are still pretty funny. And then some of them yeah. it's at all yeah.
2: like. Yeah. The writing Ferrari for RE4, you know, and, and this is just putting aside all the, the, yes, the Japanese files and everything, but the writing in the English version is an all-time series worse It's so awful to go back through.
3: I love how you're saying that when we're talking about the context of the original uh, game that came out in 96 and you've got lines like, you know, you the master of lock picking, and yet you'd I, still prefer that somewhat I over There's a certain have... charm
1: to that,
2: though, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, there is a certain charm to that, but Sadler talking about a first-class Hollywood script and, you know, the American prevailing is, you know, cliche yeah. for your American movies. It's just, but, it's awful. Yeah but,
3: yeah, but your right hand comes off, you know, oh. like...
2: <laughs> and I the unfortunate thing about that is it feels like they had to rein that back a little bit with Leon for Degeneration, and that's why we have a performance that is just comparable to a piece of cardboard.
10: Absolutely, absolutely. The best thing about Resident Evil 4 is that you can suplex monsters
2: and enemies. of <laughs> God, please, no.
3: I don't understand that either. Like he, he sometimes chooses to suplex, sometimes he punches, and sometimes he kicks. It just just chooses Wait, it's, whatever. It's depending
2: on enemy type, isn't it? I so like the the lost yeah. Illuminatus, he will always suplex
7: if you do any camp um, like
3: I just want to bring up one last thing, which I think is great about the game, which is the context animations at the time the game came out five games did not do what this game does on this scale like you just did not have this variety of context sensitive animations of reactions deaths the number of death sequences in this game a uniquely designed death sequences is incredible I talked about it on the chat when recently about talking about um if you have the special two outfit with the armor and we've talked about the animation for the typewriter um, when Leon catches Ashley in the suit of armor he drops to a knee from the weight and then clutches his back in pain like like, I just love little flourishes and details that the designers went through the entire game and there's so many of u- these little unique little things throughout the entire game that I think are really cool. You know, it's so commonplace these days to have those sorts of character-telling animations. They tell you more about a character or what they're going through so much in the last couple of gens, really. But in 2005, that was not a common thing and I think it's one of the things that's, that also endears the characters and Leon to a certain extent, even when he's making silly quips that he's still seemingly, his responses are somewhat, at least animated wise feel reasonable they feel responsible to, to what's going on so the facial animation was pretty good for the time the character design was great you know those sorts of elements they looked good and uh, they're very unique looking characters and, and it definitely has its unique design and the animations definitely play a part of that so yeah I thought
1: the sound design in this game because I completely agree about the writing was extremely poor but the sound design for me really made up for the kind of the detriment of the that really dull colour palette that we've got on the atmosphere you know the sanctuary type uh, savor music I I'm really love in this game uh, I love the chanting you know of the monks because Rombi made a good point the horror in this game for me comes from the panic that Rombi used yeah. to, and that really resonated with me from my experiences that I really enjoy in this game is the panic and so many scenarios of, of very action orientated gameplay that normally would jar with me I think because of the setting And for me, very much part of that was the sound design invoked panic and and, and made me kind of really enjoy this game much more than than I would have done.
5: I think the ambient wind that plays throughout a majority of the game really helps the atmosphere as well. You know, sections where there's no music at all and you're just going through the latter parts of the village, you just hear that wind... On oh, the
6: cliffs yeah, very, as well, yeah, I think it's quite yeah, prominent yeah. yeah, yeah, it's quite nice. Yeah. Very atmospheric. <clears throat> on the
10: topic of like sound design, I do like how the dialogue and such of the Ganado, especially um, the Illuminados are like Ganado in the castle. You know, their yeah. laughter and the cackling and yeah. the chanting and such is very unnerving. You know, it's very unsettling.
2: Before we uh, move on to sort of the more sort of story based things, while we're talking about the control and the aesthetics and everything, it is just worth pointing out how revolutionary it looked for the GameCube at the time. You know, it, yep. I don't think it's too much of a stretch to say it was probably the best looking game of its sort of moment, you know, stunning. the GameCube version in particular just looked absolutely stunning. Yeah. I think obviously it was so
1: much more universally popular than the PS2, but I think when the GameCube reached those high stars, I agree it, it was unrivaled. I don't think there was anything that was looking like that on the PlayStation 2 at the time.
2: We got spoiled by having an almost semi-realistic forest for like what you would consider to be one of the first sort of real times, I felt.
6: yeah. Yeah. The GameCube version looked better than the PS2 version. There's no doubt.
2: Absolutely.
6: <laughs> it's interesting because that was one of the first games I remember noticing a big difference between the two, but between like the
10: PS2 and GameCube version, I do remember how the cutscenes were like compressed or something like that. Yeah. And no way, if, yeah. You, if you had like a bonus costume on, it would show up in a cutscene on the GameCube version, but in the PS2 version because the cutscenes were already like pre-rendered or something, it would just show your base outfit.
2: It didn't even update if you had like the um, battle
8: vest on or anything like that.
10: Oh, man.
8: Was this tower that touches the heavens built in the past like the magnificent castle when the Salazar family was at the peak of its glory? Or is it anachronistic, built in the 21st century and covered with stone to give an aged impression, using the labor of obedient slaves influenced by the Plaga? Leon is indignant at this ridiculous symbol of power as he runs up the spiral stairs along the inner wall of the tower. What will a ruler who has forsaken his humanity do with those who are no longer human? A wave of emotions somehow continues to suppress the screams of his protesting body that has been endlessly abused since arriving at the village. It miraculously gives him the energy to take the next step, and the next step after that, when all his feet want to do is just stop. Leon still does not know what awaits him as he climbs to the top of the tower. However, he knows what would happen if he did nothing and left the disaster that struck this remote European countryside unchecked. Once the plaga parasites began to rapidly multiply and spread throughout the world, there is no technology in existence for humanity to counteract them. Those who become hosts or ganado may be easily detected in small towns or close-knit communities where unusual words or behavior are quickly noticed, but they would easily blend into the crowds of large cities where even neighbors are indifferent to each other. Powerful creatures for which a gun is no match could blend into society and increase their numbers. Even if discovered, it would be impossible to take the same eradication action in a major city using mass destruction weapons as was used in Raccoon City, this quiet infection would eventually reach the ranks of national government. And think of the possibilities of developing parasites capable of more advanced deception, or joining forces with an important dignitary who has been infected with a dominant strain of plaga that retains the consciousness of the human, and who agrees to submit to the control of Sadler. This bargaining for power is equivalent to selling your soul to the devil. Leon believes it is even worse for a person in a position of responsibility to society to have such aspirations. However, the fact of the matter is that the more power people have, the easier it is for them to succumb to the temptations of even more power. A prominent example of this is right in front of him. Waiting at the top of a tower is an insidious ritual for Ashley's baptism. Ramon Salazar is a clown-like young man with a short stature, resembling a child. Yet he has an aged facial appearance and a shrill voice that chirps his allegiance to the Los Illuminados cult. Recalling how he was intoxicated by this terrifying power, Leon struggles to contain his hatred. He concludes the young lord took the initiative to embrace Sadler's plan, and in doing so has made the situation so much worse. Ramon is a descendant of the feudal rulers of this area from ages ago. And even in the 21st century, in which such sovereign rulers are all but extinct, his is one family that has continued to hold de facto power over a large and fertile region. He could even be called the king of this land. From the time they are born, the villagers have no choice but to declare their loyalty to the Salazar family, unless they decide to abandon their hometown there is no escaping the ages-old customs that bind this land. In return for this right of holding high stature and ruling financial power, these aristocrats bear the obligation of protecting the people. They had to eliminate foreign enemies who wanted to plunder by force, judge all crimes in their territory fairly, and treat the citizens well and lead them to peaceful lives. Although idealistic, These lords who continued to live in their old ways had to strictly regulate themselves because many of their responsibilities are managed by national government in modern times. If they did not, such noble families in the region are nothing more than parasites sucking the blood from the poor. In the past, the Salazar family was a bloodline of famous rulers who sealed away the Plaga, a dangerous indigenous creature and fought against the dark cult of Los Annuminados who worshipped this power. Despite being enticed by Sadler's charming, cunning, and charisma, Leon feels indescribable anger at the current generation head, Ramon, for doing the forbidden, breaking the seal and unleashing the plaga, consigning the innocent villagers to be living sacrifices. Countless disciples of the cult blocking his way fall in the hail of bullets. They pile up on the stairs one after another and fall from the cargo elevator in the entrance hall to become crushed sacks of meat. Although they were undeniably dead from the moment they were taken over by the Plaga, the killing of their flesh body still does not feel like salvation for Leon. He is acutely aware that he is firing bullets into those who were at one time human in order to complete his mission and protect his own life. He does not like it and there is no justice on the battlefield. For this reason, this is pure hell, for Leon, who is not a killer, the deaths of these victims will accumulate as a never-ending guilt the spurting blood turns him red little by little crimson like the devil in hades surrounded by evil spirits he has a will to live thinking about the hopelessness of those who he is killing but to some extent they must be delivered to the true evil even now somewhere osmond sadler is laughing and ramon As for the remaining thing that the Salazar family should be responsible for, Leon's bullets will express the hatred of the people who had their peaceful lives taken from them. He runs up the stairs outside and basks in the foggy night sky. This is the top of the tower. The wind is howling, but no matter how high he climbs, this tower does not lead to heaven. All that awaits is the ambition of a fallen aristocrat who stands atop a mountain of corpses trying to grasp hold of this evil power. Behind a set of large double doors, inside a space with a domed ceiling resembling a cathedral, is a presence that evokes a primordial horror imprinted on the human brain. A giant living thing with roots embedded in every wall, dripping, sticky mucus, and pulsating grotesquely. It is neither plant nor mollusk. This is the mother of all plagas. It is the root of all evil that should not be touched, revived from the depths of the earth. I will also pay my respects to your strong will," Ramon laughs as he entrusts himself to the twisting tentacles and is welcomed by the petal-like nucleus. Together with his already deformed aide, the crazed lord begins to fuse with the Plaga Queen. An iron gate slams shut loudly behind Leon. Despite his exit now blocked, Leon is not afraid. Fueled by his disappointment and anger of being separated from Ashley and with feelings of subtle compassion. He points his gun at the young man who has departed from humanity. The cries of the creature that once was Ramon Salazar loudly proclaims the beginning of a fight to the death.
6: Okay, so one of the huge elements of Resident Evil 4 is the law, or as Sean was saying, was trying, trying to find the said law, um, but we now have the benefit of hindsight and the law consequences that have happened as a result of the game and where it's gone from there. But, of course, the, the legacy of it is still very much being felt today. The big build-up to and uh, the end of Umbrella, destroyed by a tactically astute graph and stocks and shares and plummeting stock prices. Oh, devastating. And, you know, for a lot of people, it's still unforgivable. But I wanted to ask Batman, because obviously he's more invested in the lore, your compare and contrast views of the storyline consequences, the involvement of the Plagas, and now how we may be getting into a situation hmm. where we have got a new strand of storyline implications with the synthetic plagas, which i.e. the nemesis and things like that. So I mean I'm interested to hear what you now think of Plagas and Resident Evil and how how it was when it first came out.
5: I think, looking back on it now, with everything we know now, Resident Evil 4 is very tightly interwoven into a lot of important lore throughout the series. The Plagas have become very important, probably one of the most important bioweapons, if you like, outside of the T-Virus itself. Like you said, Nick, it played a huge role in Resident Evil 5. It's played a role in Resident Evil Damnation. We've seen hints from the murals in Resident Evil 5 that the Plagas are millions of years old, with possibly a link to the progenitor virus, which could explain their extreme mutation Properties. Obviously, Resident Evil 4 introduced Krauser as like a, a rival to Leon, and that story was followed up on with Darkside Chronicles. So, if you play Darkside Chronicles first and then Resident Evil 4, it resonates so much more. And now, obviously, we've got the whole thing with Blue Umbrella. Um, as we know, Resident Evil 4 destroyed Umbrella in, at the start, and at the end, it was hinting at resurrecting it. And Wesker obviously had stolen Umbrella's data. We uh, found that out in Umbrella Chronicles, and we see in the opening cutscene in separate ways before Umbrella Chronicles came out, actually, that he had control of uh, Umbrella's satellite surveillance system. And obviously, Resident Evil 7 told us that Umbrella had been reformed, and we're still sort of putting together all the puzzle pieces to find out exactly how, how, when, and by who. And I still do believe that it's going to tie back to the rival company and Albert Wesker in some way. And, you know, on top of all that, we've got Leon becoming a government agent working under the president. That was followed up on in Resident Evil 6 because he was very close to President Benford, and he's now a very influential agent, I should say, with the formation of DSO and the FOS and all that. And then you've got Resident Evil 4 bringing back Ada. Um, I don't think any of us believed she was truly dead after the second game, but she plays a very mysterious role. We're not quite sure where her allegiances lie. So there's a lot of elements in Resident Evil 4 which have lasting consequences up until this day. So looking back on it now, it's it's a very, very important game in terms of the overall storyline. But back then, yes, it was, it was a bit of a kick in the teeth to see Umbrella destroyed off screen with a stock market crash. You know, we got halfway through the game and we were like, are we playing a Resident Evil game? I remember when Ada meets Leon in the castle and it just pulled me right back in that one line where Leon just turns to her and says, so it's true, you're working with Wesker. And that brought me right back in. And then all of a sudden it goes off in a tangent and it goes back to bullshit of um cultists shooting gatling guns at you in the castle and, and then you fight Krauser and then Krauser suddenly pulls you back in with that line saying it's all for umbrella's sake. And it just sort of teases you throughout the story. But like Sean said, ultimately there's just not enough of it.
1: Well there's no substance to those teases, is it is there?
2: No. It's worth saying that that you know there was like an internal process that recognised that, which is why a separate writer was brought on board and within a year. Year, we had an expanded campaign which is arguably more important to the overall legacy in separate ways than the fucking main campaign is.
5: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Wasn't there some sort of general discussion about a mistranslation in terms of whether it was the master plug or what type of plugger Ada was taking for herself?
6: She gave the master plugger to uh employers, whoever they were, which we don't know at that point, and then she sent to Wesker the subordinate pluggers and then ran off. Is so there's right?
2: no dominant or subordinate as in the English translation.
6: Okay, that's what it was. It just says she
5: sent Wesker a different present, but we've since found out now that... Um, the whole loyalty test she mentions is the sort of executives of the rival company have said, look, you've either got to choose who you're loyal to, you either work with us or you work with Wesker, and if you're working with Wesker you're against us. So this is why she ultimately sides with the leaders of the rival company and sends the dominant Plaga to them, because it suits wow. her overall goal, whatever that is, we still don't know. And then she sent the, <laughs> she sent the subordinate Plaga to Wesker. But Wesker sort of half expected she was going to do that and had a contingency in place and got himself the dominant Plaga Lager from Krauser's body. Oh, that's where he got it from. Okay. Yeah. So that's how that all plays out.
2: I will say, from a point of view from the story as well, and I never got the chance to say this last time because I wasn't on the RE4 one. I remember being absolutely crippled with disappointment with the um the Leon Ada reveal, where he he turned out to know through sequences off screen that she's still alive. Because throughout all the promo and everything like that, in, you know, the in Leon being back, Ada being back, the thing I was most looking forward to out the whole game was his reaction to finding out Ada's still alive. When we got the moment in the game where he already knows, I felt we were robbed of a really, really awesome, dramatic moment. Yeah. And I still mourn that to this day that we've never, ever... Got you know because it's such a cliffhanger to end Resident Evil 2 on, and it was such a memorable way to finish Resident Evil 2 on that it sort of paves the way for storytelling in the future. You know, it's an open-ended storyline or a thread that they can pull on when they need it. And then, you know, Resident Evil 4 they did do, and we're sort of, you know, what, seven years after Resident Evil 2 would come out, we'd waited a long time for this. And I think that was the first sort of time in playing the game where I got like a real gut punch of disappointment that the storyline's gone this, you know, gone. This. I-, I think that bothered me more in some ways, in all honesty than the umbrella thing in the opening intro because For me, the series has always been built on characters and their interactions. It's one of the reasons why I champion Resident Evil 6 more than a lot of people, because I take those smaller character beats. And Resident Evil 4 is totally devoid of those. And when you think you're going to get a really good one, it just sort of pulls the rug from beneath you and doesn't even give you that. And I I remember coming away really disappointed by that moment.
1: I couldn't agree more with that, because you think about just the emotion between... I mean, the delivery, the performance by the two actors and Paul Haddad, you know, screw Ada... You know, that emotional, that whole scene and how that just wasn't done any justice it was almost just, yeah, cheating that scene completely
6: I think with the terms of the storyline I think Makami said it outright in the past that the storyline did take a bit of a backseat with this they very focused on the gameplay elements and the story of a kidnapped president's daughter which is so implausible is one of, you know, stupidity I, mean, I think we touched upon it in one of the streams you know, why aren't they letting Leon rescue her? the whole point of it was that she goes back to America to then infect the president and they're actively trying to kill him and it's like well no let him do your job let him rescue her and take her back <laughs> it, just, it wasn't well thought through speaking of dumb
10: ideas in separate ways do you remember that fucking thing with Sadler's like backup plan of sending a lone destroyer to America with Ganado on it to attack America do you remember that bit with a little oh little- Ada's yeah,
2: level space. mission 4 with the battleship yeah
10: thing, and uh, I'm like you do realise how big the US Navy is right like, that- <laughs> Would not even make it halfway. It would be intercepted and sunk within like a second. That's
15: <laughs> <laughs> true. it's true. Yeah, I,
6: I agree with Sean that there was certainly a feeling of bitter disappointment with the GameCube version in terms of the storyline, but also, as I said, it just wasn't what I was expecting. And I wasn't into huge action games back then, and arguably I'm still not. All the games that then influenced Resi Four, so like Gears of War and so forth, I've never played any of them. So my over- over-the-shoulder viewpoint camera angle critique purely comes from the Resident Evil universe so I don't have that wider remit if you like to comment upon its impact but I know that its importance is unrivaled and it is the gaming darling of the world isn't it I mean it's absolutely adored by the gaming press and easily make top five of best games ever made it does beg the question whether they should remake it and that lightning in the bottle comments that we had earlier.
10: What you're saying is just because they could doesn't mean they
6: should. Exactly what I'm saying.
2: I think with regards to that, Nick, the important thing to take away is whatever capacity a 4 remake will be released in, it will not be you know, genre-defining, it won't be revolutionary, it won't be any of the things the original game was. and that I think is a big problem and you know you've already seen how quickly the community turned against Capcom after RE2 everybody loved them everybody was just wanting the future of the series to be remakes, then 3R comes out and that's not what everybody wants because there's been too many cuts, there's been too many changes I don't like what they've done here and for the right reasons I I will add, but what makes you think Resident Evil 4 is going to be immune to the same sort of things that have happened to Resident Evil 3 I mean I'm not going to comment on the news that's come out this week, but there is um, some news about the the four remake but it's all like leaks and rumors and so we don't we don't discuss them but it sounds like development is not going as smoothly as one would expect and i'm not surprised because how do you go about remaking something as mammoth and as, you know, gigantic as one of the most revolutionary games of all time. Whether, you know, just taking away what it did for the series in terms of the story, the course correct that we're still experiencing right now as a result of the storyline things it it made. We've talked a lot tonight about its impact on the video games industry and I just can't help but think some people are are putting like a lot of wishful thinking in that that's going to happen all over again and there's just no way it's going to. There is no way a full remake will have the same kind of legacy as the original game will and I think that's a big problem and I wouldn't be surprised if that's what's causing you know issues behind the scenes because you just can't you know, lightning in a bottle is a good term and you, you can't capture it twice it just it just doesn't happen you know really you look at games today like Final Fantasy 7 Remake has been beloved because of what it's done with that storyline and it does something very very outlandish and crazy in the final sort of act you can't do those kind of things in Resident Evil universe because it has to be quite grounded and I just find there's a certain irony to the fact that as I've said the series has had to undergo quite a heavy course correct to repair its lore, repair its story as a result of the things that resident evil 4 did and we're on the cusp of it almost happening again with these like retcons to the plaga that you know the last thing i want is another 15 year course correct because now remake 4 has made many canon entries invalid with what it's added and yeah difficult times it is it is it really is
12: amongst the stone ruins the noise of the submachine gun is earth shattering Judging from the sound, it seems to be a special type of augmented ammunition with increased gunpowder for improved destructive power. Normally, the bullet pattern spread is poor because of the recoil, and it's no substitute for a light machine gun that emphasizes practicality, but its line of fire had chased Leon with almost no deviation. If he'd been even a fraction slower jumping into this shadow of cover, his flesh would have been torn to shreds by the concentrated hail of bullets. Jack Krauser's armor-like muscles completely suppress the machine gun trying to jump out of his hands. Killing the tremendous recoil with brute force, he unleashes a glimmering murderous intent towards Leon, his former partner, who still hides out of sight. The weathered stone wall shatters under the clustered barrage of the reinforced ammo. Leon groans as he's struck in the back by a flying piece of rubble and starts to run. He moves upwards, sticking to the cover of a broken stone pillar. He strides up the stairs and ducks into a house. He cannot afford to shoot back, and Leon knows all too well that Krauser is not an easy opponent to counterattack. Krauser had once been an excellent US agent, and Leon could not think of a more reliable partner to have had his back. They had worked together in espionage, and two years ago, a mysterious accident had supposedly claimed his life. To Leon, the appearance of this first-class agent was worse than being attacked by a pack of monsters. But it's no longer a surprise that such ghosts could come back to life. In hindsight, there were signs of Krauser's defection even when they were working together. Leon was not an ardent patriot by any means, but he could still sense a discontent and despair that sometimes emerged from within his partner, overshadowing his loyalty to the nation. Leon never forgot the look on Krauser's face as he muttered to himself on a transport plane returning from their recent mission that the United States was steering its ship in the wrong direction at a time when terrorism was on the rise and they were constantly rushing to respond. It was reminiscent of the fanatical extremists they'd just been fighting, faking his own death and covering his tracks. Krauser turned to an illegal organization led by Albert Wesker, former head of the Raccoon City Department's STARS unit and an umbrella operative. He had become the leading force of a crazed secret society that wants to revive the fallen pharmaceutical company and use its dangerous technology to take control of the world. Leon continues his counterattack, dodging Krauser's unpredictable assaults and carefully laid traps within the ruins.
16: What is it that you fight for, comrade?
12: A mocking voice calls from above, Against the darkened pre-dawn sky, Krauser looks down at Leon with a relaxed expression. What are you doing crawling around in this hell? The man that gave himself over to his desires asks, there are easier ways to live, more pleasures to consume. There's no trace of the stubborn soldier in that smiling face. And suddenly Leon feels a burning sensation as if he's been shot. Are you kidding me? He almost shouts back. Krauser used to be a good man. What makes someone change so much? Is it the madness of war or the absurdity of the world? Leon grits his teeth and stifles a scream, glaring at his partner who walked down the wrong path. Well, you know, it's traumatic. At this answer, Krauser snorts mockingly. (laughs) umbrella. The scornful look in his eyes tells Leon he thinks he's a fool who's too obsessed with trivial matters to see the bigger picture. Krauser turns suddenly and disappears up the stairs as though he's lost interest. In his place, self-propelled explosive devices and anti-personnel sensors glow as they close in around Leon. With some quick, well-placed shots, he destroys them and chases Krauser to the upper ruins. What am I fighting for? Leon considers the question. Was Leon S. Kennedy, the man who left his emotions behind in the vanquished city six years ago, still fighting because he's living a life like some mindless zombie? After all, this is an unbalanced world where only lust and hatred matter. A second later, a flashback hits him like a slap on the cheek. It's not, is it? Said the little girl, wrapped in a large jacket, carrying a goddess on her back. You've become boring, says a pony-tailed warrior, a friend who had survived hell alongside him. She raises an eyebrow. You're too naive, smiles the Ada of that day. But that's okay. You just need to be straight up angry. What you feel now is what everyone should be fighting for. Scalded by these visions of the past, Leon feels the fog in front of him rapidly lift and his bewildered mind clears. In the hole in his heart ignites a passion that he had thought he'd lost. The flames of a young man who aspired to be a police officer with a passionate hatred of evil. He builds up a never-ending rage against the ugly desire to stomp out small happinesses. Sensing a change in Leon's movements, Krauser stands before him, his face depicting the joy of a beast wanting to kill a helpless, cornered animal drowning in despair.
4: Prepare for your death, Leon.
12: Throwing down his machine gun, Krauser exposes his muscular upper body and holds his left arm aloft in the sky. Leon watches as the skin begins to ripple grotesquely and the veins rise as his toned arm instantly transforms. Leon's horrible hallucinations of being transformed by the Plaga are superimposed on the vision before him now in a sense of deja vu. Krauser, the man who had become a prisoner to the parasite, leaps proudly holding up his left arm now with the shape of an enlarged blade. As a human being, Leon welcomes his former friend who's lost his righteousness and his humanity believing in the reason that burns in his heart he continues to fight.
6: I think this is actually a really good time to hear what other people have commented and um, we've had a, a number of call-ins from uh, some of our uh, members on our Discord and um, we can touch upon some of their issues and then we can talk about um, our overall uh, impressions as it were. So the first call-in comes from our Patreon, CK Present.
17: What's going on, guys? DK Present here, or Colin Colhoven from Patreon. A longtime listener of the podcast. You guys do great work, so thank you so much for all your hard work and everything that you do. And also, thanks for allowing us to call in and give our thoughts on the RE4 Retrospective episode. I'll start off by saying it's been difficult for me to separate or parse out my feelings about Resident Evil 4's legacy to the gaming industry and Resident Evil 4's legacy to the franchise. I think they're very different things. And to start off with the gaming industry portion, it's no surprise to people that this game was incredibly, incredibly influential in its time and led to a real sort of birth of the third-person action genre. And it really pushed the medium forward. You know, getting it back on the GameCube when I was a kid, I I had not played anything like it. And it really, you know, set the stage for later third-person action games Uh, My mind jumps to Gears of War even and stuff like that, even though there's no cover system in RE4. But I still feel like it was really, really great at that. And it should be remembered fondly for that because it is a game that truly changed the way that the medium was progressing. So kudos there, Capcom. But on the other hand, as a Resident Evil title, it feels really out of place. So I recently went back and played through RE0, Remake, Remake 2, Remake 3, Code Veronica, Resident Evil 5 even. Been kind of on a kick lately with the franchise and it just doesn't feel like this game belongs in there at all to some degree on the one hand you have the really poor recounting of the fall of umbrella at the start of the game which it's really unfortunate that that's how it was handled i hope that maybe we'll learn a little bit more uh in the re4 remake and maybe even get to play some section that's a flashback or something like that i'm not really quite sure but yeah i thought that was handled pretty poorly and then you know you're introduced to leon again and his new role as going to search for the president's daughter and i think it's a it's an interesting introduction You know, the two police officers that are escorting him, the creepy atmosphere in the woods. And the game starts off strong in that regard. You know, the village section is amazing and holds up really well in replaying and, you know, going back to the game. But I just find myself losing interest in the game once I get to the castle section. And I don't really know why that is. But I think part of it is that the game kind of loses its identity at that point, becomes way more action heavy than it seems like it would be at the offset, Uh, becomes sort of an escort mission to some degree, though. I, I know it's handled not as poorly as some more recent games, even that have escort sections. But the game is at its strongest when it's a mystery, right? I think that's true for all Resident Evil titles. So in the beginning, when you're looking for Ashley and when you don't really quite know what's going on and you're trying to piece. Things together, and there's these crazed villagers. You know that's when the game is really excelling. And by the time he gets to the castle, it sort of loses its way, becomes a little too goofy, in my opinion. You know, there's a difference between being campy and being goofy, and it's a fine line. (laughs) Then once you get past the castle and you get to the, you know, the island, and I don't know. I think overall the game is probably 33% too long, in my opinion. Maybe that's a contentious thing to say, but I think it loses its identity and it just doesn't seem to fit in with the rest of the franchise. But a couple things before I go, I did really like the, the. touch a case dealing with some ocd stuff there and trying to organize it and I thought that was a cool addition to the game i also liked the ability to have uh yellow herbs mixed in there to permanently increase your health a little bit of an rpg thing there but i did think it was a nice addition and pretty cool uh, i also liked the ability to upgrade your guns and i liked being able to find treasures throughout the map because it's just another little collectible and something to look for but the things that didn't really fit well i've already talked about you know just to briefly touch on the enemies you know the las plagas are a really cool design the religious sect sort of like thing that they got going on and set up in this game is really cool but I just again don't really feel like it fits with the larger theme of what the games are about looking back on it in a retrospective I don't think it holds up as well as I thought it would you know the controls are definitely in need of an update I feel like Resident Evil 5 in a lot of ways is just a better Resident Evil 4 and uh, I certainly enjoy it more and I've platinumed Resident Evil 5 I think it's a great game unfortunately Stars Tyrant I am looking forward to the RE4 remake presumably next year I'm not sure but um anyway yeah thanks for having me on the show guys and for uh all the work that you do dk present out i'll talk to you later he
2: knows how to stick the barb in does not he at the end <laughs>
17: yeah i think
1: the only thing i disagreed strongly there it was a great call in thank you ck present i really articulate and made a lot of good points but i'm sorry i've got to take exception just the one point that resident Evil 5 is you know a better resident Evil 4 because for me resident Evil 5 took all the worst elements that were injected <laughs> into I just it extenuated them even more even more painfully linear even more painfully action orientating
2: I've talked about the comparisons between 4 and 5 endlessly on the podcast over the years and I've always maintained that one of the reasons why I think people are happier to go back to 5 more than 4 is because of the way it mixes up the locations and action fatigue doesn't set in so quickly it is true the castle overstays its welcome far too long we were only saying on stream the other night you could lose all of chapter 4 and the game would be all all the better for it because 5 is always constantly moving to new locations and things like that I think it keeps the game feeling a little bit fresher as a result of it whereas by the time you get to like the final closing stages of RE4 you're exhausted um, (laughs) it is it's just action fatigue has long set in by that point I think Um, and that's not to say the final stages don't have their highlights they tend to be the boss fights if anything But yeah, it's a fine point what he says there absolutely
6: yeah great calling similar views actually I think with a lot of what we've discussed Mm. and yeah really good I Um, think
5: the attache case as well we haven't really touched on that tonight it might seem a bit out of place for the type of game we're playing but as a mechanic it is quite addictive you know a lot of people have already said they've got OCD in terms of organising it and you know the whole weapon upgrade system and things like that and managing your inventory it is quite addictive even mm. if it does take away the survival horror aspect somewhat
6: it's still my favourite inventory. I love just mucking around with it. Yeah, good to and see like, it back in Village.
5: Not only would shortening, you know, you said getting rid of Chapter 4, yeah, that would shorten the game, which it needs as well, but I think it would just make the castle overall much stronger, because I think there's eight sub-chapters we spend in the castle, mm. and if that condensed down to four, because there's some solid sections in there. We haven't spoken about the, um, you know, the Ashley section, which is quite effective in terms of being spooky. I'm sure you'll want to comment, Sean, about the camera angles.
2: Yeah, um, so I was obviously running the HD projects on PC but there has actually been a mod that's come out like last year because usually you have to use some a fair bit of tinkering to get the Ashley sections to work as they are in the Japanese version which is through camera angles. There's thankfully a mod now you just have to drop a couple of files in a folder and it really just is it's not quite as perfect as it should be and it's not quite as um, refined control wise as the classic games were but as a a lovely homage and as a really nice survival horror section it's the closest RE4 gets for sure. It looks beautiful as well. You know the the game really benefits from having those sort of camera angles. It's very haunting ground. It's very much a product of the time it was made you didn't. but yeah it's a nice section and and talking about the castle you just mentioned it has some highlights I always really really love the brief sewer section with the Nova Vista doors, however you pronounce the name, you know, in the sewer section with the cells. I think that's a really good survival horror set piece where they're invisible.
5: Yeah, agreed.
9: Okay,
6: we have another call in. This is also from one of our patrons. Uh, What is this? Or Jank Media, as he's known. So, let's see what he has to say.
8: Resident Evil 4. What can be said that hasn't already been said a million times? I will say one thing. The fans out there who say Resident Evil 4 is the best Resident Evil game, I think you are one 100% wrong. My apologies. My history of, with Resident Evil 4 is that I wasn't really gaming all that much at the time when it released and when it was in development. So, I wasn't aboard the hype train. I remember reading a IGN preview and it talked about the uh like the village encounter with the doctor whatever his name is and the chainsaw. It sounded pretty intense, it sounded cool. Once the game released, I did run it. Didn't play it too far. Certainly didn't beat it and I thought it was fun, but, you know, it just didn't really resonate with me a whole lot. And it wasn't until, like, the month before Resident Evil 5 came out that I went back and actually played through the whole game. I had a lot of fun with it. I thought it was really intense. You know, I I hadn't played anything like it. Over the years, I've revisited it a few times. It's by far the Resident Evil game that I've played the least. I still enjoy it. It clearly is a... classic game but I feel like it has aged worse than something like the original Resident Evil on the PlayStation. Throughout the game all the mobs coming at you I don't know it just doesn't really resonate with me and honestly it it gets boring after a while. The game is quite long as we know and that's good but there I don't know if there's any puzzles uh, like i guess the gameplay itself with crowd control is the puzzle but i would much rather focus on uh, inventory management backtracking all the things that people claim to hate about the classic resident evils but of course there are many of us who love that i am excited and really curious about the resident evil 4 remake i wish they would uh focus their efforts and talents elsewhere but you know whatever i'm I'm still gonna play it i'm still gonna buy it you know resident evil 4 it changed the trajectory of the resident evil series as we all know it it changed the uh trajectory of, of video games and it's it's pretty crazy but yeah i prefer the older games and i'll just leave it at that
6: there we go. Thank you very much for that call-in. Interesting his terms. He found it boring. <laughs> I do not necessarily disagree with that.
2: No, I, I think you found that's a running thing.
6: Yeah. We've talked about the length, haven't we? And action fatigue, I think you mentioned just a minute ago there. It did get a bit dull. And I'm surprised I said that, because I definitely didn't say that in the original review, and it's just something that I found you know, in preparation for this podcast. It was a bit tedious.
2: It's an interesting point he makes about, um, and it's something that um, Rob has actually mentioned a time or two before about things like um, the fourth survivor in remake two, how in some ways the combats are puzzled. I never really think about it like that because I just have a very methodical approach to combat situations. But in some ways it, it is, you know, having to you know know what the tactics apply to different enemies through the game is. It's a nice way of thinking about that, to be honest. Uh, it's a good observation.
1: I really only just to add that all the, not criticisms, but, you know, aspects of the game for what is this that sort of took him out of the moment really did, resonated with me, you know, particularly that bemoaning, the lack of puzzles, the lack of backtracking, you know, all the things I love Code Veronica for.
5: I think we're with him, aren't we? None of us have said it's the best Resident Evil game, but I think we've all agreed that it's it's
11: one of the most important. Yes, mm-hmm. yes.
6: Our next call in comes in from Proppy 54
11: so let's listen to his contribution. Hello, Proppy 54 here. I'd like to give you my thoughts on Resident Evil 4. I don't like it. I don't like the story. I don't like the silliness. I don't like what they did to Umbrella. I don't like Lewis. I don't like Salazar. I'm not too keen on the setting. Ashley just annoys me in that weird sexual comment. At the end is just wrong and out of place. I know this game is loved by many, and it was a huge success. But when you come off the back of the original trilogy, where the universe is grounded and there's a sense of realism, which I know sounds silly when you're talking about a game full of zombies, but viruses can do horrendous things to the human body. So who's saying that in one day a virus might actually. Be bring somebody back from the dead. It's kind of plausible, and to go from that to giant stone statues chasing you and being a one man army, it's just not for me. The original trilogy was survival horror. Resident Evil 4 turned the series away from that, and now you take the fight to them. I appreciate that games need to evolve, to stay fresh and draw in new players, but they went from one end of the scale to the other side of crazy. Salazar is your just cartoon villain. Leon, once a naive young cop, is now an arrogant cocky action hero. Ada, well, she's alright, just as mysterious as ever. And Krauser, well, he just talks in riddles that don't really get resolved in the main game. I've not liked the remakes of 2 and 3 because of what they did to the original stories. However, if they remake 4 in the same style as 2 and 3, then it's a game that i should actually be looking forward to. Resident Evil 4 is only saved, in my opinion, by separate ways. Big fam uh, there! <laughs> <Evil 4. laughs> I love this call because, like, properly he's got, like,
1: this sort of calming English cadence to his voice that kind of reminds me of just I don't know just narrators of children's TV from the late 70s but then he just hits you with all these <laughs> dislikes no he doesn't muck about and I like that and I agree particularly he's right I mean you can make a joke about it but actually it's quite very odd and creepy the thing at the end of the dialogue with Ashley because you're led to believe there's quite an age difference between her and Leon during the game then just suddenly out of nowhere you get that sexual comment but you no know, all those other past criticisms and obviously stars made that point he's right about you know it's redeeming feature particularly for the law was separate ways mm.
6: the comment that you bring the action to them is very true I remember having a distinct comment about that going if you saw 20 zombies in Resident Evil and I was thinking about Outbreak and Main Street for example you would be like oh my god what am I going to do here Quincy Ganado running at you, it's a free-for-all, isn't it? You're like, how best can I destroy them? And that was the tonal difference, and that was the the fundamental change which I think Ploppy was drawing upon.
5: And he makes a good point about the original trilogy being sort of semi-realistic. I mean, we've talked about this point many, many times, and Resident Evil 4 does go off the other end of the scale with it, but he mentioned how viruses can do horrible things to the human body well so can parasites and i still maintain Las plagas is an excellent addition to the franchise unfortunately i think it's just overshadowed a bit by all the cheese and things he mentions like the robo salazar you know that sort of crap just overshadows what a good addition Las plagas is to the law mm. absolutely
6: thanks ploppy for that our next calling comes in from jamie by design so roll tape
5: hello
15: resident evil podcast it's me jamie by design nice to be talking to you all finally Um, i'd like to start my little call in by just metaphorically blowing smoke up all your guys asses um, and just thanking you for all that you do i'm sure many people like me have found this year really fucking difficult and this series and your guys podcast is truly one of the things that got me through it i mean i, I live alone and miles away from my family so i've like had no one through lockdown so listening to the podcast has just just been amazing and it's it's fantastic to hear people and read people on the discord talking so passionately about this franchise that i've loved for a long time anyway enough with that crap let's move on to resident evil 4. so resident evil 4 I admit I hold my hands up I used to be one of those really annoying fans I'm sure quite a few of us have been who was like this isn't real Resident Evil what is this garbage this is obviously a side story that they mislabeled someone at Capcom fucked up but you know people at school would come in and play people who'd never got into Resident Evil before were suddenly getting into it and I resented that I was like you're getting into Resident Evil but you don't even know real Resident Evil you're like those fans who get into it because of the movies you know and fortunately I've grown up a lot since then I mean I was 14 back then now i can appreciate resident evil 4 for what it is for me personally it is in the lower half of the series purely because i think it overstays its welcome by quite a long way literally like halfway through the castle i find i start to get quite bored Uh, but i really like the village section the village section is actually fantastic and it's got great atmosphere i really enjoyed that i think though you can't deny the impact that resident evil 4 has had not just on the resident evil franchise but on gaming as a whole. This game, I mean, for God's sake, it's been ported to like, what, 11 platforms? Like, that's how popular it is. And it basically brought about this wave of over the shoulder action games. You know, without this, we might not have had things like Gears of War or Dead Space, and Dead Space is excellent. The world owes a debt to Resident Evil 4, the, the gaming world, obviously. And I think that as much as we dislike it, I think that change was necessary as well, in a way. Because look at Resident Evil compared to every other survival horror franchise they're all pretty much dead now dead space made it three games and it's gone silent hill has crumbled into nothing clock towers nothing fear made three games and it was gone doom has basically just become an action shooter as well resident evil adapted with the times it moved with the pace of the general market and it eventually came back home with Resident Evil 7 and became you know puzzle solving and exploration and horror again which is great and I'm really excited to see Resident Evil 8 so I think that's a good thing my one big remaining problem with resident evil 4 other than the fact that it overstays its welcome and i'm sure there's a lot of us that feel this way there is a tiny part of me that will never ever ever be able to forgive the awful decision to just kill off umbrella in that opening monologue i don't know about you guys but i I, you know i played the games before for first i didn't play them in the right order admittedly started with code veronica and kind of worked backwards actually it felt like a betrayal that umbrella was just gone you know it felt like we'd been robbed of seeing this i mean infinity war wasn't out by then but obviously you know this infinity war level epic event where all these characters were going to come together and take down umbrella and wesker was back you know anyway that's all i've got to say about it really i've tried to keep it all down within five minutes thank you again guys for doing the podcast thank you for everyone on the discord for being so friendly and nice and i look forward to hearing the episode bye
6: Thank you so much, Jamie Berdesign. Uh Really nice comments at the beginning of your call-in, um, and I'm pleased that we can provide some help to people out there. So, uh, yeah, that was really kind of you.
2: Yeah, thank you very much. He's just carrying on with the train of thought, isn't it? How many people are going to cite that it's... Overstays, it's welcome. It gets, dare I say, it boring. Yeah. Um, it's one thing he does allude to, which uh, we didn't talk with regards to the law, is the Avengers Endgame level event. And it's true that when you do like a series playthrough or, or whatever, those early games all end with you know the varying protagonists all vowing to destroy umbrella you know in different stages it's leon in 2 it's jill in 3 it's chris in code veronica so to then have that cruelly snatched would not actually mention the leading To RE4 was very much building to our sort of fantastical idea of like all the heroes banding together for one big fight, and uh, yeah, it will never, never truly be because, you know, I don't think anybody really counts Umbrella's ending, and Umbrella Core as being the sort of, you know, bandage that patched that up. All
5: those horror franchises he mentions there, I mean, I I hadn't even thought of half of those but he's exactly it right and have all sort of gone by the wayside <laughs> and Resident Evil has prevailed and it's because of Capcom having the ballsy decision making to make games like this because you know in order to evolve and keep things fresh you've got to sort of go against fan expectations and even upset them a little bit you know by yeah. creating something different and fresh and like we've already said that's probably why we're still here tonight. It reminded
2: me a little bit of um, Alex's comments during the interview where he was talking about Mikami And a lot of that is down to him always wanting to push the medium, you know, even somewhat controversial or, you know, unpopular ways. But he's always looking to try and push things into, sometimes out of their comfort zone to keep them relevant. And yeah, his his point just there was absolutely spot on. You know, it's, it's endured because it's prepared to mix itself up every now and then. I mean
1: he, I was shedding a tear at the call-in mentioning Dead Space but what's interesting to me is is one of the backlashes and what ended up killing that game wasn't it the fact that it did branch away from the survival horror of the first game and by 3 it was very much a action orientated serious Dead Space. But again
6: yeah you know just didn't do as well as 4. I think that's the main point. 4 had was a inherently better game yeah, for, uh, structurally sound
1: Amazing comments at the end that that really means a lot and mm, um, absolutely. Yeah, lovely sentiment at the beginning thank you
6: Our final call-in comes from Happy Smelly, so let's take a listen.
0: Hey, hope everybody's doing well. Thought I'd throw a couple of my prawns on this Barbie. Um, I was a bit late to the RE4 party. I only played it when it came out on PS3. I think if I had played it at the time, it would have just been my favorite thing ever. But I did buy it on PS4 just before Christmas and had a run through again for the first time in years. And it's really good, man. It it really holds up. Um, There's a really clear artistic vision with it. It looks really distinctive with the orange and brown forest and creepy castle looming in the distance. I think it's designs really strong. Same with the enemies. A lot of them are quite simple not all of them, but throwing a Hessian sack on a dude and giving him a chainsaw was a stroke of genius. People really remember that, man. But yeah, I, I finished it. I started up a new game plus pretty much straight away and I had a couple of flash grenades in my pocket. So I started flashing those crows, so to speak, you know, just to get those coins. Uh, and I ended up throwing one a little bit too close to the dog and he yelped and he ran off. I felt really bad. And he doesn't show up later to help you with that El Gigante fight, um, which was interesting. Later too, after the Del Lago fight, I went back just to pick up some treasure that I'd missed and I got attacked by these wolves. There's this cutscene where they jump down off the hill and and attack you and I just love missable stuff like that. It's really, really replayable. And there's a couple of Metal Gear Solid references in this one too, which I find to be quite cheeky. And if you listen to the Del Lago swimming at you with that open mouth, that roar that he makes is actually the T-Rex from Dino Crisis, which is really neat. This game's well known as being one of the best. People of this day say it's their favorite game of all time. Nobody had socks on after playing this one. The positive attention that this one garnered was huge, and it might must have been a bit scary for Capcom. It's brilliant, but how do you follow up on Resident Evil 4? I think that they learned a lot of the wrong lessons from RE4. I think they misinterpreted what people liked about it, and they were a bit confused, confused on where to go afterwards. They s- seemed to think that people responded more to action, which of course they did. They learned that chainsaws are scary. They learned that people seemed to like Ada better when she was playing up this slinky, mysterious Lefemnikita Nikita character. Not sure, might just be me. I seem to remember people didn't like Ada back in the day. They they just thought she was a bitch, you know? And I don't. I think after Ari 4 sh- people liked her a bit better, and I'm not entirely sure why. It's not as though her characters were even more fleshed out. I think maybe, maybe it was just the dress. Capcom started playing around with QTEs in this one, too. They didn't learn that combining herbs on the go was a really good idea. But the Raccoon City incident itself, that was a slow burn. It was several games set from late July to October 1st, 1998, and there are a lot of ins, a lot of outs, lots of entries corporate espionage, corruption, fascinating characters, just lots of stuff going down over a period of of, of a couple of weeks. And I think the incidents post Raccoon City are just not looked at under the same kind of loving microscope. And and we just keep getting blasted from adventure to adventure, um, going further and further into the future. I think the connective tissue between games these days is much weaker. They're not really taking their time to explore their ideas before they're on to the next explosion. It seems like, they're not confident to explore the ideas that they have and then at other times they seem hugely confident in the decisions that they've made but yeah once they folded that umbrella um, I think they made it really really tricky to nail down where they wanted to go next and the idea of remaking it is just ludicrous unless that game is just a one to one remake with pristine graphics and you get to keep Leon's jacket for the entire game and it comes with a case of beer and a handwritten note from Kenzo suchimoto apologies For the last 15 years of bullshit that we've had to put up with, then yeah, I don't know what color herbs they're smoking up at Capcom. Unless I finish it and get a title screen saying that I've unlocked a Dino Crisis remake, yeah, I don't get it. (laughs) Um, But five stars, it's a great game.
1: Wow. I I love
2: that again. Happy smelly. I am all for 4R if it comes with a case of beer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sell, sell me that edition of the game right now. The
6: beer edition. That was a yeah. wonderful calling. Thank you so much. Yes, uh, really good points, I think, there. Uh, very positive yeah. on the whole, actually, about Resident Evil 4, which is always a nice way to finish a, a, a Well, it's podcast. their weather.
1: They have just such amazing weather down there,
5: don't they? That's I mean, <laughs> <you> have, <laughs> the
6: have, outlook is brighter. You, yeah,
1: come and yeah, experience some British weather, and I don't think you'll be giving it five out of five. Uh, um, yeah, very positive.
5: I'll be honest, I didn't realise you could scare the dog with a flash grenade at the start. But it's nice to know that I'm not the only one shooting crows and throwing grenades at them.
2: <laughs> when she was uh, summarising like the Raccoon City incident at the end there, I actually got a little bit nostalgic, John, for our uh, series playthrough. And one of the things that always hit me hardest during that, which was you know eight years ago now, was how much of a hub for the rest of the series, that incident is, you know, and how it, you know, you have those couple of games that lead into Raccoon City, and then you spend through the outbreaks and, like, two and three, and, and if you play them in as close to a chronological order as you as you can, then it feels like this sort of weird central hub, to, and it defines the rest of the series, the rest of the series, you know, refers to it back, you know, and, and she's absolutely right, and as, as the series gets more and more things bolted onto it, you do wonder why other events, due to the sort of retcon nature Things get added like the Terra Grigia incident and things. You do wonder why an equal spotlight hasn't been put on those kind of events and those kind of big, like world-defining cataclysms and, and whatnot. And um, it's a little bit of a criticism, if you like. For, and this is a part and parcel of when you bolt on additional pieces of lore. But I do like the fact that it does keep the Raccoon City incident as the thing that defines everything that came after. I think it adds a sense of gravitas to it, and which is why it's such a beloved location and setting for this series
6: Mm. absolutely really insightful and uh i I didn't know that about the del Lago. if that was the t-rex from dino crisis i did not know that nice little trivia stat to end the call-in so thank you to all our call-ins it's been brilliant actually really good and we'll be obviously looking to do more call-ins for more podcasts in the future
9: Ada wears a mystery around her. No accurate information about her has been revealed. Nothing is known about when or where she was born, her nationality, her race, or even her true age, not even the name she was given at birth. She calls herself Ada Wong, but only she knows the truth. Her skin is as smooth as polished pearl, reminiscent of Asian descent, and her natural beauty is outstanding. Her intricately curved body is the embodiment of flawless proportions, perfectly toned and without waste without losing a trace of feminine charm. However, all of this is just a part of the mystery that masks her true nature lurking under the surface. Just like the thin dress wrapped around her body that radiates a strong attraction, it is a form of camouflage that causes all who gaze upon her to stop and think. Oh, Ada is camouflaged. So long as the beautiful spy carries out her duties faithfully and without fail, her true intentions will not be revealed any more than necessary. Her thoughts and beliefs are all hidden behind an enigmatic smile, and she is getting closer to her true goal one step at a time. The deception continues. The rulers of the organization secretly working behind the scenes of global affairs could not help but express puzzlement when Ada first approached them. She was a spy with no certain details about her career background and all constructed with false footsteps. Yet Ada's extraordinary abilities were evidenced by her only credible history, her survival from the cursed place that was Raccoon City. Therefore, the product of immortality brought back from there the G-Virus, only enhanced the reputation of the woman who completed the arduous task of retrieving it. Ada Wong's name became a kind of legend amongst those engaged in espionage. This was the approach of the female spy. There were many in the organization who saw this as an operation by another agency and insisted she be dealt with. Ada was too mysterious and too dangerous to be welcomed with open arms. However, the organization is already harboring an uncontrollable fire that threatened to burn it from within. A man who had entered the very center of the organization, bringing with him the fruits of the research results of Umbrella, the giant corporation responsible for the biological disaster in Raccoon City. Albert Wesker, the former captain of Stars, the special forces unit of the Raccoon City Police Department had become too influential to be ignored. In order to control this rot from within, the rulers adopted a strategy to bring Ada into the fold. There was no reason to trust her unconditionally, but it would be beneficial she could act as a watchdog against Wesker, even if she harboured traitorous intentions of her own. Furthermore, they determined that if the two of them kept each other in check, then their activities as double agents, which would be very unfavourable for the organisation, would naturally be restricted, and Ada has played that role perfectly. Despite remaining cautious, she had made the most of her position as an employee of the organisation to get close to Wesker and made him realise that she was the most capable intelligence operative he could ever have if he used her as a pawn. She identified that Wesker, a confident man who considered himself the chosen one, preferred or at least favored a clever wolf with sharp fangs ready to pounce on someone's throat if let out of control, rather than a docile dog who was just obedient. He perceived she had a character that he liked and skillfully established a power relationship that made her feel under his control. He was always tempted to use Ada his most capable pawn piece at every critical juncture of his planning. Of course, Wesker was cunning enough to realize that his own movements would be passed on to the upper management of the organization through Ada. He was willing to leak information that he did not mind getting out, especially information he wanted them to hear, but even so, the truth began to vaguely appear. The faint traces of what Wesker was planning and what he was trying to hide created an unnatural rut in the accumulation of numerous information reports, evoking the shadow of a large, thick umbrella blocking out the sunlight. Amidst all this complexity and conflict of thought, only Ada remains a complete mystery. Only her true purpose is missing like a gaping hole. She acts as though she is really serving the organization, as if accomplishing her mission is her greatest goal. The deception continues. But there are moments when Ada's eyes convey a glimmer of truth, a light of intention directly linked to secret thoughts she can no longer hide. It always involves the life and death of one man, six years ago, in the darkest depths of Raccoon City just prior to its demise, the life of Leon S. Kennedy, a straight-laced young man who shared his raw emotions with a female spy wrapped only in deception. Wesker repeatedly points to his elimination, viewing him as an obstacle to the success of the mission but she plans to avoid doing so. Sometimes, at the risk of her own life, she will emerge from the shadows to help Leon in his hour of need, times like now. As she watches Leon fight to the death against the monstrous Osmond Sadler, Ada runs through the huge steel tower. She beats down the Ganados and pushes through their blood that showers down like rain, hurtling towards her singular goal through the structure, despite the detonator already being activated. The only way to dispose of Sadler, now exerting his true power, is to grab the rocket launcher equipped with special ammunition. This is the only way for Leon to survive. All of this may be in order to bring her closer to her true objective. There is only Ada who knows the truth about herself, but it is possible that Leon's survival is just one stepping stone that must be crossed in order to get there. However, in the moment that she tosses him the rocket launcher, Ada is overcome by an intense feeling of deja vu, to a flashback of a memory that she had kept locked away. That day she had faked her own death. She had tossed the same kind of weapon down to Leon as he battled an invulnerable monster in the underground research lab as she herself had stayed hidden. That's funny, I haven't changed a bit. Ada's face is illuminated by the flash from the special rocket and a smile crosses her face. Leon does not catch her expression at that moment, but it is definitely her true face, the one that forgets to wear the veil of mystery.
6: I wanted to now take the opportunity as well to to wrap up our thoughts on the retrospective review of Resident Evil 4. So we'll start with Rob.
3: When I look back at Resident Evil 4 and how my impact, was, it, I loved it at the time it came out. I thought it was great, and over the years my interest has waxed and waned. But having replayed it, I've I have to not say the rest of it I haven't managed to it because it's such a long game. I'm literally into the chapter for the last chapter in five, or the last full set of chapters, sorry. It is what I said earlier, an inconsistently tonal game. It wants to do everything, it wants to do horror, it wants to do action, it wants to do a bit of comedy, it wants to do wacky absurd things like statues and machine guns and helicopters blowing out of the sky and all those action beats. And yet still at the end of the day, I think it works. I don't always enjoy every bit, and and definitely while playing through on pro, I'm going every once in a while, I'm like in this room going, Oh god, thank god I got through that and then I'll get to the next bit and be like oh I would forgot about this I don't like this bit but there's still plenty of other bits where I go I love doing this and I love crafting these bits together and I like thinking about what I'm, weapons I'm going to use and what I'm going to put my money into and John's talked about the RPG skill systems essentially that is what that weapon system is it allows you to customize your weapons and play make a plan and what enemy you have with what weapons and we all have our sets and we all do something different so you know and, and the end of it I think Resident Evil 4 is an important game for its legacy it's a game for for both its franchise it keeps the franchise alive it keeps the franchise here we wouldn't be talking right now without it i suspect and for gaming as a whole they covered in the time we've talked so there's not much else i can say i'll have to let you guys summarize better than me because yeah i don't think that's i can say enough
6: Thank you, Rob. Batman, what's your overall opinion looking back now at Resident Evil 4 and where you feel it sits?
5: Well, as I said earlier, I I still enjoy it as a Resident Evil game. It's not amongst my favourites, but I think it's a very important game uh, for the series' legacy. I think going through it again recently, it's it's probably overly long. I mean, it took me about ten and a half hours to get through it, but there's something in there for everyone. You know, one minute you're in the midst of a village siege, being chased by a guy with a chainsaw. So the next minute, you're sort of creeping around a farm in the dark, in the rain. Then there's the cabin siege. Then there's the quite ridiculous stuff in the castle. There's the horror sections with Ashley. Then there's the fight with Krauser. And then there's everyone's taking the piss out of the set piece with good old Mike in the helicopter. But I, I actually really enjoyed that as an action set piece. I thought it was really good. But yeah, I mean, you touched on our series playthrough a moment ago, Sean, and I must admit, looking back on it now, playing through everything chronologically, by the time you've gone through Zero, Remake 2, 3, The Outbreak, Survivor, Code Veronica, Dead Aim, you are starting, well, I certainly did anyway, I was feeling fatigued and I was desperate for a change, and Resident Evil 4 brought that really refreshing change in terms of story and perspective, which I think was really needed at that point. I'm indifferent towards a remake. I think a remake can have positive things. I think they can use it as an opportunity to make it more relevant, but with the way Village is going, it seems more pointless than ever. The original Resident Evil 4, yeah, great game. Not my favourite, but very important. George Trevor?
1: Yeah, um, it's of mixed feelings. I mean, they must have been doing something right, because for someone who, you know, often will bemoan the lack of survival horror in these games, and, you know, I can't forgive the linearity and the lack of puzzles. There's still, I, I think, again, just goes back to the panic that i felt on so many occasions and just in an atmosphere that was just darker and more gothic than Resident Evil 5 so it just sat better with me I think yeah resonates with me more I suppose for what it actually did to the series rather than kind of what it did for me as a survival a game player but yeah it's difficult for me because it's sort of the lows are very low but and the highs are very high and i think that the hD project you know the fan made HD project is doing some incredible things and i think i would be more excited to see that come out than kind of a remake of the game if they if they can fix the camera okay
2: start start just before i wrap up we'll just do a quick shout out to uh, the um, re4hd project it is at re4hd.com if you've got the pc version the ultimate hD version grab it it's an absolutely astonishing look Look at the you know how how to sort of reimagine a game, not necessarily reimagine it, but just sort of update it. Retain everything that you remember about it, but just play it. You know, make it look like how you remember it back on the GameCube. And I think that's the most important thing because it doesn't really do much in changing anything. It just updates it all, and it makes it look like a modern title. It's still going to have the issues that George has just said there, like it will still have you know some of the control issues that people will have. But in terms of like a visual update, it's it's phenomenal. Resident Evil Four, then um, yeah, it's. As I've said before, I have not enjoyed the 15-year course correct that we've had to endure as a result of this game existing, but then at the same time you know, it comes hand-in-hand hand with the fact that, as people have discussed, this series might not be here if it wasn't for this game. It's important as it, every bit as it is a controversial entry, and the reason why I don't want to see a remake, the reason why I don't want to see anything change for it, I, will, I would keep every aspect of what it did for the story retained, because I think for series like this, that has adapted and changed and mixed itself up all the way through I think you have to live with some mistakes and I know some people will be listening and saying well the game isn't a mistake but in terms of like what it did for a lot of the long term fans who are invested in the lore you know it was a misstep well, no matter which way you want to try and you know sugarcoat it it did abandon years of storytelling build up to do a, a sort of soft reboot if you like and I would I wouldn't change a single thing about it because as a result of what it did we had a Capcom that you know made Resident Evil 5 off the back of it Resident Evil Evil 5 is one of my favorite games in the series and it may not have been the same game likely wouldn't have been the same game if Resident Evil 4 was a different title you know that then led to Resident Evil 6 and all the problems that that presented and so we got Resident Evil 7 and you know and Resident Evil 7's we've all collectively sort of said how much we love that game and it's a very sort of similar thing to what 4 did it it did a soft reboot for the storyline and the gameplay and everything and I wouldn't change any aspect of that journey including Resident Evil 4 I think it's it's a vastly vastly important title for all the right and all the wrong reasons and um you know it's timeless classic to so many people and you know you have to retain a legacy sometimes even with the things that people don't like the things that people do and yeah i just want to end with a sort of more positive opinion than people were probably expecting me to give it it's not my favorite at all and you know that's the sort of thing i take from it it's not my favorite but i wouldn't i wouldn't have a series a day without it
6: um, Mr. Spencer?
10: Well basically yeah, my thoughts of like Ori 4 is just that I think it's a game that had the most impact at the time it came out in and I think that looking back and going back to it or being a newcomer to it with you know with a modern mindset I don't think it's aged particularly well but it's one of those things where you had to be there uh, at the start of it. And it's a product of its time and I think that when you start doing remakes and things as well you, you lose that, that important aspect I think which is the, the time it's set in, you know, the attitudes and cultures and gameplay and stuff like that so overall, very important game. I think of it the same way as the Black Panther movie. You know, not a very good movie per se, but an important movie. And I think the same applies to ori 4 You know, is it an amazing, spectacular game? Not in my opinion. I think it's a good game, but more important than that, it's a crucial game that revolutionized a lot of stuff. So yeah, that just about wraps up my thoughts on on RE4.
6: So, thank you there. That does wrap up our retrospective review of Resident Evil 4. It's been a really good and insightful look back on this classic entry. And I hope everyone's enjoyed the the commentary from the full team, which has been uh, great to, to have. So, on that note, we have finished our discussions and we now move on to this podcast edition of Neptune's Biohazard Quiz. for the past eight years and five seasons. We have brought you groundbreaking lore, in-depth analysis, game reviews and high quality content. We've also brought you untold
5: controversies, Countless tales of underhand
2: tactics. All in aid of the quiz. i just like to announce everybody that uh, this is zero points for me this week. Thank you. <laughs> bye
3: bye. So, my nomination person said seven, but I didn't agree with 7, I said it was 17, and then you said it was 17.
1: I didn't want people to think I'm cheating by just saying the same number that someone else has said, so I just, I just the next number that sounds similar to 7 17.
15: <laughs> I swear I did not
1: cheat,
16: yo! Jesus Christ. What an question is that?
6: Quite frankly, if... if we only got one point and that's the winning score, then we're not doing our jobs right and we're all going to have to hand in our biohazard (laughs) cards. Welcome to Neptune's Biohazard Quiz. Hello and welcome to this edition of Neptune's Biohazard Quiz. We've got a selection of five questions ready to go. Some on Resident Evil 4, some on others. So if everyone can clear their desktops, let's go. Question number one, what are the types of eggs you can find in Resident Evil 4?
1: And I imagine you're looking for more than colours. Not Rhode Island
6: red chicken eggs, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, just what well, the types of them. Okay, question number two. Also Resident Evil 4. So what three ornaments do you need to put together to leave the main castle chamber? Oh, you
9: bastard.
6: <laughs> <laughs> you collect them all. You never examine them though, do you? You just chuck them in. So question number three, this is... If you don't get number two, you probably won't get number three. Combined, what mythical animal does this make up? So you put the three animals in and it makes one bigger animal. What animal is it? Question number four, we've got a timeline question. On what day was Alexia appointed as head researcher of the South Pole Lab? Points available depending on how people get close. And finally, question number five comes from Vito. We're (laughs) (laughs) Where would you find the following phrase? Give your soul to the goddess Put your hands together to pray for her Where will you find that phrase? There are the five questions Join us after this when We'll run through those answers
11: The long, suffering night had finally come to an end The morning fog gradually lifted And the surface of the lake Rippling with fine waves Became like a myriad of jewels Catching the returning sunlight And shimmering brilliantly The fight to the death was over Leon had succeeded in his mission to retrieve Ashley Graham, and the terrifying Plaga Parasites implanted in them both had been eliminated, just in time. The Los has cult's ambition to use an unearthed Plaga as a means of control to shape the United States and the entire world had been crushed. All those who had played a central role in the cult, infected with the dominant strain and capable of operating while retaining their human consciousness, had now departed to a place befitting of their disfigured forms. The reaper's scythe had reaped their souls and dragged them into the depths of hell for their due retribution. Leon has survived hell for a second time. His body had been pushed beyond its limits and had severely fatigued to the point of exhaustion. This adventure was too horrible, too insane for a human being to face. It is a poisonous mix of desire and evil that will torment the survivors for the rest of their lives. But the rising sun looks different from the one he had seen that day in the outskirts of Rackham City. He feels hope. After six years of darkness void in his heart had finally filled. A part of himself he had believed had lost was returned. He felt reborn, and everything in the world seemed vividly refreshed. All of his senses are clear, and even the extreme fatigue and the pain of his various cuts and bruises feel welcome now. With Leon and Ashley on board, the powerful, heavily customised jet ski glides easily across the lake. The shadow of the isolated island they're leaving behind is melting into a haze in the distance. The headquarters of the Los Illuminatus Cult, a research facility spread out on an isolated island, where many life-desecrating attempts to improve the Plaga as biological weapon were carried out, now burns to ashes in a crimson flame. Significant amounts of explosives were placed in key locations across the island, completely obliterating the results of the experiments that had been conducted here. It is probable that these preparations had been carried out in secret by Ada Wong and her organisation. Leon recalls the final appearance of Osman Sadler, the cult's supreme leader. Was it really Sadler? The dominant strain Plaga was born out of repeated genetic modifications in order to main the awareness of the human host even when infected, but the figure of Sadler who unleashed his ability was unbelievably far from human. The cells of the parasite, which had been densely compressed within his body, suddenly mutated and expanded rapidly outside of the body, forming a giant athroped-like form. Sadler's body, hanging in the centre of the parasite, now resembled the shell of a cocoon that had been discarded by a hatching insect. The master-slave relationship between the parasite and its host had been reversed, resulting in a monster too hideous to be called the leader of a new world. Perhaps Sadler, who believed he had total control, was unknowingly being used by the mysterious parasitic creature known as Las Plagas. This ironic thought is now running around inside Leon's head. Las Plagas are weak organisms that can only survive by infecting other living creatures. Because this method is not symbiotic by any means, they were viewed as a kind of pestilence and sealed away long ago in an age when science was still in its infancy. But now, in the present day, the fact that someone emerged to spread it around the world was fortuitous for the Plaga species which had been in the near-death state of semi-hibernation. If the world was to be dominated by Las Plagas, it would become more stable than it is now, with different species of hosts all communicating with each other and creating an ideally balanced ecosystem. On a global level, the existence of these parasitic organisms may not be a disaster at all. However, Leon feels this is unacceptable. He can see the value of the inconsistencies of humans in building and maintaining diverse societies. He cannot imagine humanity submitting everything to the Plaga and allowing themselves to wither away. Human beings may be arrogant and selfish, but he believes this will avoid extinction and lead them to a future that will last forever, even if the world is subjected to hate and evil. The sample of the dominant strain Plaga was taken by Ada. There remains a seed that could give rise to another Sadler-like being, but Leon is not too despondent. For as long as it stays in her hands, it is unlikely the worst will happen. He has absolute conviction in his heart that Ada is acting with a different purpose to that of Wesker. The distance between Leon and Ada is increasing. They may have like-minded hearts, but their path in life will run parallel and far apart. Perhaps their footsteps will cross again someday in the future, but only if they survive. Only if the world survives. I will make sure it survives. I've regrained my reason to fight, and for that, I'll go through hell for as many times as it takes. Hey! He hears Ashley call from behind him, her wet hair blowing in the wind.
0: You said that beautiful woman was a vision inside your heart. Does that mean you have feelings for her?
11: Leon is relieved to see this young girl has a stronger spirit than he had imagined. She may have been hurt, but Ashley had the natural strength not to let it show. You sure are persistent. As I said before, maybe.
0: You said she was a part of you you cannot let go of. Looks like the makings of a beautiful romance. Tell me all about it on our way back to America, okay? I'll tell my dad to make it part of the mission.
11: I can't. Leon laughed a little, realising what happened with Ada in Raku City is no longer a tragic memory to be kept locked away.
6: So welcome back to Neptune's Biohazard has a quiz, let's see how everyone has done. So question number four was what the types of eggs you can find in Resident Evil 4. We're going to start with Mr. Spencer.
10: I was hoping you'd ask me first for the second and third questions, because I got those right. I know what those are. Okay. Um, <laughs> but for this one, there's brown and there's white. There's no rotten eggs or anything like that, didn't tell five, but I'm pretty sure it's just brown and white, you got it from snakes.
6: Okay,
5: uh, Batman? Brown and white, and one fully replenishes your health, the other one is like just a normal green herb.
1: Okay. Uh, George Trevor I knew you had white and brown I was trying to imagine a golden one that like gives you your entire full health but I know there isn't
3: yeah white and brown Okay, boo Chicken egg, which is white, brown chicken egg, and gold chicken egg. Does was tyrant.
2: I honestly thought there was white, brown, and gold as well in ra 4 but the gold is a super, super rare drop.
6: Is correct. It is oh white, brown, and golden. Should have gone uh, with mine. You should have done.
2: The reason done. why I think I remember this is because someone a while ago on Twitter shared uh, a full attaché case full of gold eggs.
6: Yeah, I think that's where I got it from points there to stars and rob good start unlucky everyone else question number two was what are the three ornaments do you need to put together to leave the main castle chamber stars tyrant
2: horse legs uh wings <laughs> uh, antlers
1: <laughs> okay george trevor I- i'd written down something to do with a horse and that's it <laughs> so i've no no idea the rings bell what sean just said but no
3: okay romby It's a lion, a goat, and a serpent plate.
10: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Batman?
5: I just had serpent didn't know the other two
10: and mr spencer i won't say a rambi lion
6: goat and serpent is correct goat lion and serpent so congratulations to rob and mr spencer there very good question number three was combined what mythical animal do they make up mr spencer so greek mythology the chimera is a lion head a snake head and a
10: goat head and i think it's on like a woman's body or something like that it's a very weird looking thing but that's how i
6: figured it out for Chimera. Okay, Batman?
5: Well, I was very pleased with myself because I thought it was Centaur, but then I realised a Centaur is not a serpent, a lion and a goat. <laughs> so,
6: I was clearly wrong. No Okay, so you went for Centaur. George Trevor? I put down
1: Griffin knowing I was probably wrong, so I think a Griffin is just a lion and a dragon or something, isn't it?
2: Griffin? Okay, could still be right. Stars Tarrant. I'd put Manticure, but I think Chimera from Mr. S is correct. I don't think it is.
10: I'm sure Manticores are similar, right? They're very similar creatures. I've never heard
2: of it actually. I think it's
1: a manticore lion with a scorpion tail. We're getting very dungeons and dragons.
2: <laughs> <laughs> a Pegasus is a winged horse, isn't it? Yeah.
1: <laughs>
6: this is brilliant. What's it's a different. goblin?
2: Right, come up with.
3: Rombi, what time. did you have? I had chimera.
6: Is the correct answer? Well done, Robin, Mister Spencer, running yeah. away with it at the moment. The Chimera, very good, very good.
3: I just remember because of Mission Impossible, the Chimera virus, and, well and then I always remember there's a lion on that door. So, so
6: you got Tom Cruise to thank for these points. <laughs> yeah. So question number four is John Woo. And John Woo, absolutely. So question number four is a timeline question, so a chance for Batman to get back into it. Stars Tyrant. When was Alexia appointed head researcher?
2: Mm. Pass, no idea. <laughs> no idea. <laughs> well, you gotta have a guess. Oh, 1980, I don't know.
4: 1980.
2: Uh, George
1: Trevor? I don't know. I was in a file because I'm sure I've read this file
6: over and over again. Don't know, no guess. Mr. Spencer?
10: For some reason, I'm I'm thinking December. December 25th or somewhere like that, 1991. 1990.
6: I don't know why that dates in my mind. Okay, okay. Rumbi? I'm gonna guess
3: 1983. 1983, okay. Batman? Thank God. I've got one right. It's 1981.
6: Any more and specific than 1981? You just asked for the year. 1981. I said, 1981. A, I said on what day? Wednesday. Wednesday.
3: <laughs> <laughs> date. Wednesday. Yeah, what was the, day, date? What yes, the date? Yes.
5: The date. Oh, July, something I don't know, July 16th.
6: <laughs> <laughs> points to Batman The The 27th of July 1981. So, well done. We're going to give the points to Batman there. Get him off yeah. the mark. Fantastic and finally question number five is where would you find the following phrase give your soul to the goddess put your hands together to pray for her
1: I think I'm finally going to get a veto question right go on then George go on you sound confident yeah you saved me I think from getting zero this round this invokes memories of Yoke and and Sean's RE3 stream and I've been playing loads of the original at the moment it's um it's one of my favourite images from the game the clock puzzle, you know, with the skeleton wearing the dress, and it's on a file that you find hints to the um, oh, what's it called, you know, with the bronze gold and silver stones
6: you know yes, I, mean? I know, um, yeah. yeah that puzzle, Obsid- that you find obsidian little...
2: amber crystal
1: yes, yes, that, yeah, you find it sort of in the back of the clock tower
2: okay, stuff uh, down that's a good shout, uh, I did not know it, I've been kicking myself over this one, but yeah, of course, now I think about it he's absolutely right okay, yeah, Rhombie,
3: so... I had no idea Sounds like something that definitely would appear in a game, and I, it sounds awfully familiar, but I wouldn't have known exactly where it was, so no.
5: Batman? Yeah, Goddess of Time puzzle. That was the only one I could think of from RE3. RE3,
10: uh, Mr. Spencer? Uh, it's probably not going to get me any points, but the only thing I'd think of was, I, I, it was something in Resident Evil 3 was the one that came to mind, as a Story 3. I'm not sure exactly where, but Story 3.
6: Points there to Rombi and Batman. Yes, it's the art picture postcard from Resident Evil 3 That's in the clock. It's dead. So. Sorry, sorry, I meant GT, sorry, yeah,
1: sorry, 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 I'm so desperate for the point.
6: <laughs> Let's have a look at those final scores, so, in the third place, joint third, it stars Tyron and George Trevor with one out of five, so congratulations, in joint second place, it's Batman and Mr. Spencer with a very respectable two out of five, but this podcast winner with a whopping three out of five, it's Rombey, well, well, well done.
3: Thank you, Chimera, thank you, Tom Cruise, thank you, <laughs> thank you.
6: that finishes Neptune's buyer has a quiz for this time so join us next time when we'll have some more questions thank you everyone that does finish our Resident Evil 4 retrospective podcast we hope everyone has had an enjoyable time listening to our thoughts and deliberations on both that and of course the village showcase Coming up next, our next podcast, we haven't quite decided what we're going to do. We'll keep everyone posted. We've got a couple of ideas floating around. But of course, we'll be building up our village coverage with a uh, final preview probably in April for that one so on that note i'd like to thank everyone as well for all their contributions to the uh, resident evil 4 call-ins that we've had scattered throughout this podcast as well that's been uh, really great like to thank everyone for joining and listening and uh, on that note i'll say uh, goodbye from me neptune goodbye from me batman
2: goodbye from me stars tyrant
6: goodbye from me rombie
10: goodbye from me george trevor and it's goodbye from me mr spencer